They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. All right, we're live. I think we're live. Yeah, we're good. We're good. So I'm going to play this clip real quick that I put together while people start coming in. It's three minutes long, so enjoy the show. You study the actual uh, people who were cult leaders and 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 dangerously sort of uh, you know psychotic people, and yeah. you try and inhabit them, yeah. and they've got you. I mean, at one point, Ryan Murphy posted a picture of you side by side with Manson, and it was like you had become Manson. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if you've seen this picture, but it's really it's like <laughs> it's uh, there's I desensitize yeah. myself to it. I I. I uh... I don't know. I went to great lengths. Uh, these obsessive uh, desires and, and uh, thoughts wanting to control them to, uh, I don't know how to put it, uh, possess them permanently. And that's why you killed them. Right, right. Not because I was angry with them, not because I hated them, but because I wanted to keep them with me. And uh, as my obsession grew... Uh, I was saving body parts such as uh, skulls and uh, skeletons. When you uh, depersonalize another person and view them as just an object, uh, an object for pleasure instead of a, a living, breathing human being, it, it seems to make it easier to uh, do things you shouldn't do. One time I brought this uh, young man back to the hotel room, the Ambassador Hotel. I uh, was just planning on drugging him and uh, spending the night with him. I had no intention of hurting him. When I woke up in the morning, he uh, had a broken rib here. I was heavily bruised. Apparently, I had uh, beaten him to death with my fists. And you have no memory I of it? I have no memory of it. But that's what started the whole spree all over again. Dahmer says... Your dad has wondered about all kinds of things, from the medication that your mom was on during her pregnancy to the possibility that he might have passed on some genetic propensity for obsession or violent behavior. Does any of that ring true to you? I can see why he'd wonder about these things, but uh, as far as I'm concerned, they're all excuses. Welcome to the One-on-One -on -one Podcast. 
with your host, Juan Ayala. Prepare to have your mind blown. I was muted. What is up? Welcome back to another episode of the One One Podcast. And I got a panel for you. Oh, I actually have somebody backstage. Give me one second. There we go. Of course. Slipping and sliding, baby. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> the, the stoner is always late, but it's all good in the hood. Welcome back. Today we're going to be... I got, some, I got some bad news because I know for a fact we're fueling some astral homunculus by doing this episode on Dahmer but I think it's relevant because they're pumping it out for a reason and they're probably trying to take our attention away from what's really happening behind the scenes but hey let's strike while the iron's hot and let's get into some stuff a disclaimer before we get into it it is gonna we're gonna try and keep the language clean but the subject matter is obviously very grotesque and heinous so a lot of the details are going to be, again, gory and all this stuff. So this is your content warning. I don't want, it, I don't want you commenting about how whatever X, Y, Z later on after the fact, because I told you right here, right now, 7.04 p.m. Eastern time, that it's about to get dirty. And we get dirty here on the one-on-one podcast. We know how to get down. And I got a nice panel for you today. We have Paranoid American, the only man that I know... With a theme song, and here it is. Oh, He's a paranoid, paranoid American. <laughs> and he's ranting about conspiracy. We have Paranoid American, bro. Can you plug the stuff for the people? Where can they find you, bro? And where can they look yeah. you up? So, uh, paranoidamerican.com, and you can hit me on at paranoidamerican on Instagram. And for uh, some, some quick plugs. If you don't already know about this, you should. This is the Chosen One, uh, issue one, comic book uh, featuring. So I can't forget. I can't remember the main character's name, but uh, and it's uh, it's going to be available <laughs> on Juan's site. It's going to be available on my site. It's got some some badass. Uh, and look at this: grow your own homunculus advertisement in the back here what by Mag Draws. So uh, yeah, get uh, get in. Oh, look at this: occult book club, as seen on what? YouTube. And if you really, really like conspiracy theory stuff, you're going to love this little MK Ultra chick track uh, that breaks down <laughs> MK Ultra all the way from uh, paperclip to modern day. Uh, so, yeah, check out uh, Paranoid American. Bam. Conspiracy theories, occult research, cool stuff. And we're going to mention a little bit on a book I've been working on about adrenochrome. So we'll get into that later. Awesome, awesome. Can you go, Gabe? We'll, we'll leave the best for that. Can you, can you plug your stuff, bro? Yeah, yeah. Slick Dissident. I uh, got my channel on YouTube. I also get down with the Weaving Spiders webs. They're on uh, YouTube and Rockfin now. Uh, and I'm on Interverse with Chance Garten, also on the Rockfin. Come get you some. Oh, oh. Homie Romy. Everybody's homie. Blah, blah. What's up, bro? Hey, hey, what's up? <laughs> Dude, super stoked today yet again. Juan, oh, how am I sounding? Do I sound, sound better there, now? There you go, uh, there you go. Juan, um, you know, likes to bring us in on these crazy ideas, 
you know, whether it's diving deep on Crowley so he can attach himself to the, my dreams or whether it's dri- diving in on uh, cannibalism, vampirism, lycanthropy, and Dahmer, whatever it is, ready to go, bootstrapped up, homie Romy here with Rising from the Ashes. Um, we also got Moon Mysteries is a brand new show, going to be dropping the first three episodes here soon. It's all about mysteries of the moon and esoteric America, which I would hope everybody on this panel, you guys are more than welcome to please be guest on esoteric America. And anybody listening, if you want to look up the mysterious histories of your own town and present it, uh, I do that with Mark from my family. Thanks. I'm crazy. And, uh, it's a great show. So yes, I'm super stoked. What a, uh, stoked to meet you. Donut. Uh, it's a pleasure. Welcome to the occult book club, brother. Oh, thank you. This is actually uh, yeah. not the occult book. Club. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, we, we have a plus one today. So everybody that's on this panel, we've been together on the show before we did an episode purely on werewolves. You can check that out. It is part of the occult book club. And then obviously we have the plus one, the very welcome plus one donut. And can you give your intro, bro? What up? Is Yo, what up? It's donut. And you tuning in to all your Illuminati news. Thank you for having me here. Uh, just very grateful to be here with some amazing researchers. You know, I'm more of a video editor. I come off like I'm a solid researcher, but I mean, hats off to all y'all and especially, uh, the one-on-one podcast for the latest homunculus presentation. It was just mind-blowing. And uh, I'm here to learn. I got a couple of my own thoughts and stuff like that. But, yeah, thank you for having me here. Most definitely. You are very welcome. And, yeah, the, the for those that haven't checked that episode out, it's the, the what is it, the homunculus rising on Donuts channel. People either hate it or love it. Uh, my favorite comment is the one where I apparently renounced Jesus because I called him a homunculus, but it was like, Juan, you're going to hell. You, you renounced Jesus. And then somebody put like, he didn't. And then somebody put, yes, he did. He called him a homunculus. That's my favorite comment on there. But Hey, check that out. And today we're going to be going hard in the paint. You know, this is a topic that, like I said, the cinemagicians that are pushing this sort of stuff as soon uh, during the hurricane, when the hurricane showed up, I was with my brother-in-law and we saw that there was a new Dahmer show. And I'm like, dude, hasn't there been a whole bunch of Dahmer shows already? And as we're watching the Dahmer show, they put up a thing on Netflix where it was like, hey, there's another special coming out next week. And I, and I went, dude, they just finished putting this one out and they're going to put out another one next week. So when they're pushing this sort of stuff, uh, you know what I mean? You have to pay attention, obviously, with the whole... Illuminati confirmed. It's cliche to say, but there's a reason why they push all this sort of stuff, and I think it's part of a bigger agenda. So wait for the uh, that the adult Happy Meal Dahmer toys, little action figures, <laughs> right? Like a, like they, they give you a butt plug or something like that. I don't even know what it was. So when I saw that, I, I said, okay, I want to link this to the Dahmer stuff, the werewolf, because we had done the werewolf episode about a month and a half ago, and obviously. Donut wanted to do a werewolf episode. I said, okay, let's do a werewolf, but I've already done with my homies. They've already, they already know what's going on. So let's just get everybody together. And then Gabe, I'm not hundred percent sure if Gabe had dropped the bomb on the episode that we were recording, but he linked Dahmer with this family of the Ofen. Is it the, the Ofenheim or something like that? The Ofenhammer. And I'll bring up that, 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 graphic here in a second but he linked it to that and i'm not sure if you dropped that on air or not did you drop that on air gabe 
I, yeah, we mentioned Dahmer on the air on that episode. Uh, but then we found out, uh, we found out that some of the things we were just speculating on were real solid. We found, we kind of solidified another lead, uh, that we'll get into later. There it turns out there's a very famous werewolf. There's the granddaddy of all werewolves and we've been saying his name all along. So we'll drop that in a little bit. Oh. Awesome. So I gave the disclaimer and I want to start, obviously, with the with the Dahmer connection. I think um, I, we don't want to get so much into Dahmer's life, what he was doing, how he was doing it. But we, I want to de-occult Dahmer. He was doing some shady stuff. I believe, I believe, he seems decently well-read, right? He, he can either deceive people, but he seems decently well-read. So I believe he was doing some occultic stuff. Now... What I think draws people in when it comes to these documentaries is because you see the final product of what the man did. And I think by showing people the process, the occulted process, because nobody saw what he was doing it while he was doing it. I think that's what really draws people in to be able to literally peek behind the veil and see this the monster at work, literally Frankenstein's monster at work. Uh, literally, we're going <laughs> to metaphorically dismember Dahmer today in an occult way and peel back the layers of Dahmer and, and and it links to a lot of other things that again we talked about and when you bring up werewolves you think werewolf oh it's just a, a, a cryptid right the full moon no werewolves are linked to a lot a lot of things in the occult and in the conspiracy realm and it can get metaphysical it can get interdimensional it can link to, it's a link to the adrenochrome it's linked to vampirism is linked to everything and i think it goes back to these genetic bloodlines of these royal families and i do 100% think that they are uh, they in the in the book of werewolves it states that a werewolf is able to put you in a trance to where you're not able to see the, through the facade. So they ha- they put up an illusion to show you a regular human being or whatever it may be. And actually behind that is this entity manipulating your reality real time, which I think is the magic that they use in these cinemagicians by putting these things in these shows and in these movies. And look at what that, that interview that they were doing with the, with the actor. You, you do what you're almost like them. You turn into these cult leaders, you turn into these serial killers and you see him kind of just like, (laughs) yeah, it's like, are you uncomfortable about that? Are you taking on this persona and trying to project that energy out? Because it's almost creepy how well of a job you did. It's almost like that show you where the guy played a pedophile and then turned out to be a pedophile in real life. He played that role a little bit too well. And he turned out to be a real pedophile in real life. That that one, that one comedian. I don't even know if it turned out to be real, but his character. I, I, I want to put something in on that before you get too far away from. They want to put you asleep. These cinemagicians, they want to put you in a globe theta state. Theta is the sleeping wave. Globe theta. They want to put you in a receptive suspension of disbelief, such that you suspend yourself in disbelief absolutely and william shakespeare did say the world's a stage so here we are the master of puppeteers at work francis bacon and francis bacon yeah so i don't, I don't know where we want to start i found it uh, there's a lot of aspects we can pull at and i think paranoid american really went hard in the paint and I, i'm gonna let him start because he's got so much stuff on this 
It's it's he's gonna make me look bad. He's really showing off in front of Don. I told him Don was gonna come on the show. He's like, dude, I gotta go all out. So I think he's got a lot of great stuff. And Paranormal American, bro, take it away with wherever you want to go with well, it, and we'll we'll pull. So up I'll screen. give you my menu. I'm, we're gonna have a lot of uh, <laughs> of food related uh, puns in this one. So I'm gonna lay out the menu for what, but maybe we can get into. It's like a seven course meal, right? So we've got Dahmer that we're not gonna dwell on the man. We're gonna dwell on deconstructing him. Same way that a famous chef might deconstruct the plate and kind of like represent it to you in its individual elements. But it's going to go into Dahmer. It's going to go into the fascination with media, specifically Exorcist 3. It's going to get into some kind of like sexual philias, specifically uh, ones where you get attracted sexually to like shiny organs, blood, cannibalism, uh, just kind of like the whole list of some kind of like weird uh, modern ones. And then uh, I was able to find some really, I think, explosive connections between um, some Podesta-related Dahmer, uh, Luis Bourgeois' uh, arc of hysteria statue that sprawls out and touches everything you can imagine. It's going to touch werewolves. It's going to touch adrenochrome. It's going to touch cannibals. It's going to touch the Rockefeller family. Uh, this is going to be, uh, I, I think, a lot of new information that's not going to be regurgitated because, as far as I can tell, these are brand new connections that we've kind of discovered this week. So I would kick it off and mention that, first of all, the Dahmer connection, um, it's not just cannibalism. As you mentioned, there's werewolf aspect of it. There's vampirism. There's adrenochrome. But at the crux of all this is this kind of concept that I can consume the life force or the energy or the power or the magic or something from another person and bring it into me and then kind of hold on to that and become more than I was before. And even Dahmer said it himself. It wasn't just that he had these abandonment issues and he wanted to make sure that person didn't go away. If you read his actual interviews, um, he would basically see someone that looked strong to him. And his thought was, I'm going to cut that person's bicep and eat the bicep because strength, therefore, representation of the bicep. If I consume that, I'm consuming the strongest part of that person. Or if I'm consuming their heart, you know, I'm taking like a healthy person's you know, my vital organ and making it part of myself. And this is going to be a repeating theme that we can trace back as how much time we got, but we can trace it back to like 6,000 years ago, easily that exact yes, same yes. concept. And it just keeps repeating itself, vampires, werewolves. And as I was kind of putting together uh, behind the scenes with you guys this week, adrenochrome, if you think about it, like adrenaline is this thing that's like pumping through your blood and it gets you amped mm -hmm. up, right? That's almost just like some kind of generic uh, caffeine or like, some sort of um, like epinephrine, you know, it's like that adrenaline going through your system. Adrenochrome is like the crack cocaine free based version of that, that you can extract <laughs> it, consolidate it, package it, ship it, store it. Uh, so I think mm -hmm. this is all going to get into it because that's what a lot of these people are trying to do. Even Dahmer, he wants to keep these organs and these heads and save it for later and ingest that power and bulk himself up later. Like he's got, you know, adrenochrome on tap. I just think he didn't necessarily know about it. I think well, I'm, I'm wondering how original his these thoughts are, because, you know, a lot of the stuff about Dahmer alludes to, you know, he had the, the satanic book at his house and all these occult books and things. I'm wondering how deep he got into reading, you know, things like Paracelsian medical um, paradigms or looking at uh, medicinal cannibalism through history, because that's quite literally what a lot of these doctrines were. Oh, if you if you're having muscle fatigue, just simply eat the bicep of a strong young man. You're losing hair. <laughs> 
take that hair, take hair of a healthy corpse, put it in <laughs> alcohol, and rub it on your head. Step you right know? up, Step like right up. as simple as that. Yeah, like so. I'm wondering because they don't they don't shine the light. They have hundreds of interviews of this man, which is mind blowing, because um, he's just you know free walk with no handcuffs or anything, just willingly talking to people in maximum security prisons for his 999 years sentence. But um, they don't talk so much about what he may or may not have been associated with when it comes to the higher echelons of occultism. Yeah. Did you do the intro, the voice? Your voice sounds like the intro voice. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, Illuminati confirmed. No, no. Also, with with eating, like people, like you got the liver king, right, who's eating liver that's very all over TikTok, all over social media. And I heard that when you eat liver, it heals the liver or something. I'm not sure. But that even goes back to like tribal stuff uh, with mating because I believe in my research – all this psychopathy stuff is mixed with sex and violence. You can see this in all the horror films. Dahmer is all about sex and violence. He's going to the club, seducing men, and then eating them, right? Sex and violence. And uh, back in the tribal days, uh, who you mated with, you wanted to take on your their personalities. So, I mean, even today, you date someone, you kind of want to have their personalities for the offspring. So I'm looking at this with a uh, view of a mixture of both of those. I found it interesting. I couldn't find anything on which type of books Dahmer was reading or what he had in his library. I do think that he was, there's, there's almost a Knights Templar connection, which is actually an ancient Egyptian belief where if you have the mummified head of a prophet, it prophesizes to you. That was the whole thing with the Knights Templar and the, the head of John the Baptist, where where you have Dahmer literally taking a mummified head of somebody that he killed to work with him. So there's the connection of that he was chanting before wanting before eating somebody. One of the, the guy that, that exposed him, he was saying that he was chanting while listening to the guy's heartbeat before he was going to eat it. So almost like, was he casting a magical spell or something or was he hearing voices or was he using these things as divination? Because one of the aspects of it, the occult hundred percent plays a role into it because he was going to make an altar. Now there are various, there are a couple of different sketches of the altar that, that Thomas and I had come up, uh, came across, but he never truly says what the altar is for. They speculate that it's, uh, uh, he says that it's for, for memories, for what did he call it? A memorial of his victims. I don't know. It's very specific. The a num- reflecting pool. <laughs> yeah, a reflecting pool. You know what I mean? After a long, who doesn't like to unwind after a long day and sit in front of the? Imagine the smell in that apartment, bro. The smell of decay, and, uh, just and just just other stuff that I'm not going to mention, but just sitting there and then going, you know what? I just, I need to take a load off. So I'm just going to sit down and just reflect right in my journal, perhaps here, I'm going to write about how, Hey, I killed two people today. And, and it's very sad because obviously people did die. And this is something that could have been caught on before it, it, it got out of control to the point to where it got to. And he's, he was only found connected to 17 deaths. I think it was way higher than that which we'll get into that because there are some other connections that I was able to find to the Walsh. And then also while he was stationed in Germany, check this out, Gabe, Germany, right? With the werewolf. 
there was a spree of 10 mutilation murders that started when he was stationed in Germany and ended as soon as he left Germany. Now, he was kicked out of the army for being an alcoholic, and the, the, they, they tried to connect him with these murders, but they couldn't because there were women involved, which I guess since, I, I don't know. I mean, if, if, you're, if you are a, a werewolf or you're portraying this energy or whatever it is, I don't think you're going to discriminate. I think for him, it was just he was there at that point in time. And the whole blacking out, right? Are you in a, are you in a sort of trance? Are you being literally possessed? And then the connection with the exorcist where there are films there are a series there are a series of films that have literally possessed people there are videos of people watching the conjuring and coming out screaming because they've been possessed by some sort of demon and that ties into the possession the arc of hysteria and the connection there which we can we can dig at cuz that is a, another rabbit hole but i think the occult aspect to the whole jeffrey dahmer thing is there i just don't think that they were they were there's not enough documented. I wish there was a picture of his library. There was a video I found where he was at the library at the jail and he was he had a book in his hand. And here I am like trying to zoom in this grainy footage of like the 90s trying to see what he was checking out. But you just can't <laughs> can't see because I would love to see what he was reading. You know, if he was reading about uh, Donut and I and I mentioned it at the beginning before I started recording. If you're able to make a homunculus with a dog penis, imagine what you're not able to do with a human penis. Or 17, or 17 of them. 17 <laughs> yeah. of human penises. Well, maybe the human is the dog if it's a werewolf, eh? Yeah, and also I love, right I love how you dive into that where you – that's great research, going into those images, looking at them. And that's something that I love doing as a video editor. I look at the screen, and I know in every film – Every single thing's there for a purpose. I mean, they're spending a lot of money. So whatever you see on the screen, that is intentional. And they're showing that altar. And talking about the Exorcist 3 with the programming of imagery, just like the book Catcher in the Rye. And if you watch the Squid Games number one show about violence, you know, uh, the number two show is Dahmer about violence, which shows where the psyche of the world's at right now. People love sex and violence was the exorcist three fueling it with those blackouts like catcher and the rye was filming these mk ultra assassins to go carry out missions and then they don't remember it and then when the trigger word happens they wake out of it and they usually off themselves and it just seems like there was a lot of people helping out Dahmer with the police like bringing the people back into the home just weird and yeah. I wanted to throw out, too, before we get to, because you, you mentioned the Satanism and the LeVay Bible. Um, my interpretation from, like, the, the sparse research that's out there is that it was less of him reading this and getting inspired or seeing Exorcist 3 and getting inspired. It was more like he, he already knew that he had these feelings and was this way and was l- trying to find out, like, how did I get this? Is there anyone else out there like this? Is there anything that can explain this to me? And for whatever reason, the guy from Exorcist 3 ended up being someone he could re- relate the most to, right? It's like, oh, that's my everyman. So he just kind of bonded to that. But ironically, when he had the Anton LaVey's uh, The Satanic Bible, he had that because he thought it was going to give him some more insight and some darkness. But it, he, I think he was quoted saying, like, yeah, it really wasn't my thing. Like, he probably picked it up. I was like, oh, this is just philosophy. <laughs> like, I was waiting for, like, the good shit. Well, he, you uh, know, yeah. that, that's the thing, Thomas, right? Because 
we talk about magical systems. We talk about the occult. Magical systems are meant to be modified. We have we have Parsons taking work of Crowley and modifying it to fit his needs. We have Crowley taking John D and Edward Kelly's work and modifying it to do his work. So I think that Dahmer was aware of this occultic magical system of some sort of maybe some necromancy or black magic or whatever it is. And he was tweaking it to fit his needs to do whatever he wanted it to make to, to do. And there's also that connection in, in, and again, this might get, I, I meant to say this at the beginning, it might get racial too, but we're not trying to be racist or anything. I think Thomas has some stuff that links a certain group of people in history that have been, uh, you know, oppressed and all that stuff. But just, just a heads up, because we're looking at this from a scholarly point of view. You can say it, the Puerto Ricans. Yeah, the, there you go, the Puerto Ricans. The Puerto Ricans have been oppressed since the beginning of time. It's not our problem, we're lazy, bro, okay? So... <laughs> Uh, back to the back to this that was a hard p bro <laughs> this occult connection i think there was in africa there was a group of sorcerers of black magicians that were going around stealing penises and they were cursing people and they were stealing their penises allegedly for magic rituals so this that's is a th- isis worship man that's that that pays homage to the oldest the number one golden phallus in the sky that was the one part that wasn't found, right? It was it was what what she tried to look for at the very end. So obviously, the the phallus, the penis, is highly revered. It is the magical wand, if you will. It is what the the, the seed that comes from that wand is what the alchemists were worshiping, uh, essentially. So it does play a role. I I just wish I knew what it was uh, for Dahmer, right? It was it was I think it was something much deeper than that, and the skulls. We have the to be or not to be. We have skull and bones. We have this connection to where how there is a Freemasonic connection, and Thomas can can confirm for me, where the frontal sinus is where the soul is kept. So by you having the skull of a person, you have their essence. You have what that person was. And I remember I had Exertus on the show one day, and he came up with this crazy idea. I don't know where he got it. I need, I, I've been meaning to ask him, but... That before a skull and bones member dies, they take psychedelics or a psychedelic concoction and they hold the skull in their hands to download their information to this skull. And that skull stays in the secret society for what it's like. A, it's like the OG USB drive. We have the, the crystal skull connection too, where I think maybe mm-hmm. it was some sort of, again, crystal holds information. Our phones mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are, are made mostly of quartz. We have the scrying mirror connection where you're able to peer into other dimensions by holding these crystals. So back to the skull, I think that he knew what he was doing and maybe uh, he was trying, I think, I'll, I'll give my thoughts on what he was trying to do at the, towards the end, but it, I want to get wild today. I want to I I get buck wild. Guys. All right, let, me, let, me, let me get wild for you real quick. This, okay. is, this is what I think because everybody's blaming Jeff. Right. But his dad is out here being a real narcissist. Okay. Lionel. Right. The chemist. Lion that guy, L. Lion L. Lion L. This guy. Dahmer's father, who would play a very important role in this manipulated situation, in my opinion. Right? I'm not saying Dahmer didn't do it. You'd be, you know, I'm not, I'm not that guy, but I think he was catered. And I think he was, um, you know, a part of this process because, in the books that uh, his father wrote, you know, he explicitly talks about the mother and, and all of her uh, tantrums and, and uh, seizures, right, during the pregnancy. 
And then I watched the interviews with the mother and she says, he's lying. I never had any seizures and I didn't take any morphine. None of that happened. Right. So then the more I'm looking into the history of medicinal cannibalism, you know, they start to talk about epilepsy all the time. And I'm like, it just keeps coming up for what these different body parts are really good for and what they cure. And epilepsy keeps coming up. And I'm like, well, I know what epilepsy is now. Right. You go to a rave. Right. You know, flash lights you get deprivation things happen and you you pass out and you might have a seizure but what's epilepsy in antiquity so they basically it was a like a lot of things were a medical term that was kind of encapsulated a lot of different sicknesses right but you're talking about the exorcist right where it's it's you're almost having epileptic things as you're having these these exorcisms happening happening they're talking about his mother having these seizures well if they were giving human body parts to eat while she was pregnant to maybe cure of these things, you know, if, it, if he had some, some sort of, you know, synthesized something that he made in his lab, who was his father connected to and what chemical companies did he work for and how high in those medical grades was he? And was Jeffrey Dahmer legitimately potentially some sort of fucking homunculus literally created? You know, from the from the time get, you know, like the baby farms where they have all these babies pre-chosen to be exactly who the fuck they're going to be in some sort of played out matrix system. That's what I'd, I'd like, be thinking, man. I'd after, like to, to spin the bottle back to the mom a little bit here, though, just because just like you just mentioned, right, in in uh, Victorian age <laughs> or even pre 20th century, a whole bunch of different issues would just get bundled into like one thing. And everyone just try to treat that one thing that represented like hundreds of different issues. Right. And one of those things was called mm-hmm. dementia precox. And prior to like the early 1900s, basically 1950s dementia, Alzheimer's, a whole list, you know, whole litany of different kind of like um, uh, issues where your brain just starts to devolve over time. These are all getting grouped into dementia precox. But one thing that they noticed out of this entire sort of umbrella of issues is that people that had this dementia or Alzheimer's, when they took their blood, they detected like 4x or more levels of adrenochrome in the blood. So that's where a lot of this adrenochrome research kind of started was noticing, oh, wow, every time we extract it from this certain group, we get these spike levels of adrenochrome. What happens if we take that and inject a normal person? Do they start acting like the person that we extracted it from? Well, the point that I'm getting to is that if the mom really did have any sort of dementia, (laughs) Alzheimer's, she might have had extremely elevated levels of adrenochrome in her system during pregnancy which is an avenue that, you know, might be worth looking into a little bit more. Yeah, the mm-hmm. fact that his mm-hmm. dad was a chemist and he focuses so much on the genetic aspect where I, I did see interviews of him trying mm-hmm. to blame it on the, the how you're saying the medicine that she was taking. We know that certain words that start with a V, right, and rhyme with scene, <laughs> they are allegedly said to have fetal tissue within them. I mean, that's the whole thing. And we did the Liber Vacay. Well, the Vacay, which means cow, is etymologically tied to that one word that we're talking about that a lot of people took because it did start, again, it starts with, for some reason, it starts with the cow, right? It's always always the cow embryo Mm -hmm. and all this stuff. It's always the sacred bull. The sacred bull, right? The bull worship in Egypt and all these things. So it makes you think, but I I think that 
his dad by saying, you know, how I did in the in the clip at the beginning. Well, I was like, well, your dad is worried that he passed on something genetic, genetic. Well, we know the Dahmer family has connections to Germany. And this is why we're linking the werewolf situation to it, because I do believe there was a series of not towards the time that Dahmer was there, but towards 88, 1988, there was a series of werewolf attack, a werewolf attacks in Germany. And also we have the, when he was stationed there, the mutilation attacks. Uh, it, it was in German, but there was uh, a girl that got, was was decapitated. And another one that was, again, gruesome stuff to these people. But I do think that maybe, uh, th- what I love about the werewolf aspect is that there is the astral, almost like an astral werewolf, where you're able to go somewhere, meditate, and you have this werewolf body somewhere else. But that would hint at the fact that there are are there werewolf bodies just standing around somewhere or are they interdimensional? And it just makes me think about Skinwalker Ranch, where a lot of the sightings are werewolves. So is it some people who are who have tapped into this technology where they're able to pick up this astral werewolf body somewhere and run through Skinwalker Ranch and then just blame it? Oh, let's just blame it on the indigenous beliefs here. Oh, yeah, this is. This is, you know, the curse that that people have. But in actuality, it's the government involved in some uh, some voodoo or magic, which I think that's what quantum physics is. I think that whatever doesn't have a name for them, it's magic. It's it's this it's the alchemy, what they couldn't explain, right? This magical thinking of back then, and they just put a label on it in today's term. Hey, we call it uh, quantum entanglement. Oh, well, what does that mean? Well, two things can affect each other on the opposite ends of the universe. What? Yeah, yeah, we can. They can keep. They can keep uh, talking to one another. So I think that the the werewolf connection when he says he blacks out, maybe again it was a state of being because that's lycanthropy is. Some people, even Crowley, talked about it where he turned a guy into a camel, <laughs> not literally but magically. Victor Nuremberg, he turned him into a camel. So these people, they know about invoking these energies within themselves and within their surroundings. And that's why I believe that by them putting this docu-series out, they're invoking Dionysus perhaps, right? They're invoking that spirit of Dionysus and we can go down the connection of that because he was a drunk. And what did, what was Dionysus all about, right? Getting drunk. And I know Thomas brought up some stuff about Dionysus, which I found interesting, before we go any further with the uh, Animorphs, right? That book, Animorphs, how everyone's changing into an animal. The unloving mother is a common theme for psychopaths, right? So we're hearing the story about the unloving mother with Dahmer and the way they portrayed her. It's clinical like that. Yeah, that's what happens. But when you guys are bringing up Lionel narcissism and all this, that's very interesting, Lionel, because I was looking at the manticore, which is like a werewolf. It's a lion with a man's face. So it looks similar to a werewolf, and his name's Lion L. That's just a very fascinating thing. And then I was just I just took some notes down about how Dahmer sort of the anti-hero for the consciousness of uh, the world of America, just like the Joker, as we don't have any of hero archetypes anymore. And he, coming from the Germany, isn't that where Skull and Bones is founded, is uh, from Germany? And he was collecting the skulls, and he's saying to be or not to be, and the whole Illuminati B order, and Shakespeare with the skull, and that goes deep too. 
the medical term for a werewolf is lycanthropy, mm-hmm. right? Where a person turns into a wolf. That's the medical term. And the medical term for someone going crazy is a lunatic. And a werewolf turns into a werewolf because of the moon. So that whole connection with these medical terms and changing their personality, just like when you transfer someone's liver, talking about the liver king, eating livers, Dahmer eating people, even when you transfer your liver to someone else, they start taking on that consciousness, like that crystal skull, how the crystal holds the information. And it's something to do with water, I believe. And Mm -hmm. um, when you transfer the liver or any body part, if you play piano, then they'll start wanting to play piano because of the binding structure of DNA is water. And we are sort of like a (laughs) dipole antenna or whatever uh, with water, like how we tune into the frequency of our soul or whatever. I believe that's like platonic, neoplatonic stuff. I, you know, I'm not an expert in that. Just wanted to add on top of that, how pretty much the, the unloving mother causes the psychopaths, but the connection of Lionel being a narcissist, that is interesting. I never thought about, I mean, he did write a book. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to touch on something that you were starting to get into there, Dona, about, water and specifically like consuming the liver and wanting to play piano there's this study that i guess i just assumed that everyone had learned about in school but i brought it up and and one hadn't heard of it and a couple other people um so so this is going to get into two different topics that then kind of come to a head right they both meet so first of all have you guys ever heard of engrams before in the context of anything so if and if you haven't heard of engrams essentially it is the concept that every memory is physically represented by a connection between two neurons. That connection itself is this like physical engram. Uh, and this goes, I mean, it had a name in 1904. It was named by a guy named Dick Seaman. Haha, <laughs> funny name. Um, but so this guy in, named Dick Seaman in 1904, he puts the name engram to this and along with a few other things. But it's based on something that goes back into ancient times. I think even like um, Plato and Socrates and, and a few of the heavy hitters all had this concept that once you learn something, it actually had a physical location in your brain. And this was based on people that got head injuries and like lost mm-hmm. things and dementia precocs, you know, earlier forms of it. So anyways, this guy, Dick Seaman, comes up with this concept of engrams. He also came up with something called the neem, uh, M-E-N. E-M-E, based after the Greek goddess of memory. And this is where we get the the current word meme, like the memes that we share back and forth online. If you think about, like, if I send you on a meme, right, that meme represents kind of this, like, agreed-upon thing. It's like an inside joke that you have to have the context in order to get it. And, like, me and you are the two different neurons, and that meme in between it is almost like the engram. And engram also got picked up by L. Ron Hubbard and Dianetics. They, they assume that anytime you have these, like, overwhelming emotions or bad feelings, they're literally different spirits and engrams from other, you know, universes that you have to kind of expel out you. So why am I bringing up Dick Seaman? What does Dick Seaman have to do with all of this? Well... This engram, that <laughs> physical connection, that's what we're talking about. When we talk about vampirism, when we talk about werewolves, we talk about Jeffrey Dahmer wanting to eat that muscle or eat that heart and gain that energy, that gets into like woo-woo mystical realm, right? Like, oh, 
I'm just going to like inhale your essence. And it sounds very mystical, but when you actually point your finger and say, well, there could be this actual physical thing called engram. And if you consume that, you're literally consuming a memory. So let me get, I'll, I'll fork this into the part that is the most interesting. And this is the flatworm experiment. So there's a guy named James V McConnell and he's looking into engram experiments. And what he's doing is he's taking these little flatworms and he puts them on a, um, a tray that's got like a, a water solution in it. And there's a bright light on one side. And every time the worms get close to that light, he shocks them. Because in the 1950s, electroshock therapy was like the answer to everything because it was the new shiny toy. So they're sitting here and they notice after you shock these little flatworms about 40 to 60 times, they start learning. Like, I'm not going near that light because I'm getting my ass shocked, you know. And then they're able to like prove that these little tiny worms are 100% learning. So they're going through this. They train the worms not to go to the light. Cool. It's a cool little experiment. He's flipping through a magazine one day about twins. And it's like some joke about, can you tell which one of these twins is using, you know, five-star pomade and which one is using, you know, mom's castor oil? And he gets this idea like, oh, twins, (laughs) these flatworms, if you sever them in half, the top half will regrow the bottom half and the bottom half will regrow the top half. Not like earthworms, but like flatworms actually do this. He cuts them in half and realizes that both halves now remember not to go towards the light, even though he didn't have to train each half individually. So then wow. they get the idea. Flatworms are one of the, the few um, kind of species. There's like a, a handful of them that are naturally cannibalistic. So he gets another idea. He takes a flatworm, trains it to avoid the light, takes a flatworm that's not trained to avoid the light. The one that knows to avoid it, he chops it up into 12 little pieces and he feeds it to the flatworm next to it. That flatworm consumes those pieces and then knows automatically without being trained (laughs) to to avoid the light after consuming that. Now, this is an experiment that is heavily, heavily controversial because a lot of people try to repeat it and it's not necessarily uh, easy to repeat. Yeah, this is laying the groundwork for some actual scientific evidence that consuming engrams might theoretically let you you know, inherit actual memories, Whoa. wisdom, power. Well, and that's the whole holographic universe theory. How a hologram works is through the engram. So the reason why Bohm and all these people that come up with the hologram idea during the secret society Manhattan projects, right? That, it came out right after that connected to Trump's time traveling uncle and all that, that uh, memory, if like a hologram, it works the exact same way. So that's where they probably got it from was from that flatworm experiment. I'm so happy you brought that up. Because when you shine a, uh, a hologram, it's on a holographic plate, right? Which would be all the neurons and engrams, right? On the plate, which holds all the information of the universe of the hologram. And then they shine the laser on it. But if you cut up that into a bunch of pieces like the flatworm and you shine the laser on it, the hologram will still appear. It doesn't matter. It just won't be as dope. Looking. Right. You get you get less resolution, but as you bring those pieces mm-hmm. together, it increases the resolution. You get more detail, and actually, that feeds into the this, dark crystal. Uh, that feeds into this uh, flatworm experiment because the theory was <laughs> that if I feed it one piece, then it doesn't have as much of the memory as if I feed it all twelve pieces. So, like each time you consume, it gets a little bit more of that engram, and then incorporates it into this new, you know. Uh, body that's growing 
That's that's incredible. You brought that up, man. That's awesome. Wow. Yet again, that sounds like the Isis Osiris kind of story, like yeah. cutting the body into pieces and then reconsuming them. And Juan, so, and Juan mentioned Dionysus, which is the exact, you know, it's like a direct correlation, the Greek version of Osiris. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And he wow. was put into 14 pieces, I believe, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, 14 for the waxing uh, moon and the waning moon and the, cycle. And that one piece they didn't find, that's why they they... they yeah. And what's the gold? The pole. You said, the central pole. You said something about a golden phallus, and I'm sure people want. I want to know more about the golden phallus. What is that? Uh, I mean, well, there's. It's <laughs> yeah. So the golden phallus is like you know she could be said to be holding a shaft of wheat, which is like the golden color. Um, but yeah, the staff, the phallus, which is Osiris's uh, penis. You know, it's it's golden. It correlates over to Py- Pythagoras and his golden thigh. But I was looking up Richard Seaman, the Dick Seaman. <laughs> He's from Germany, but also Juan, share the screen real quick. I highlighted this. This guy was the troll. He's like, gonna Dick. What else? Seaman. I'm gonna I had to look up. Called Dick memes. Seaman. Of course, the guy that invents memes is called Dick Seaman. I I, I need a what's pen his middle name? name? Motherfucking Wolfgang, dude. <laughs> Bro. He's a wolf gang. He's gang, in the, gang. Dick Siemens in the wolf gang, straight doing engrams, busting up confirmed. homies. Whoa, Whoa Dick Seaman on him. Wow. Okay, real quick. So uh we were talking about so King Richard was lionized. He was lionized. He had the ashes put on his forehead, and they had to hide his body because grave robbers of the day believed that if they could drink from the skull of a lionized king that they would gain the sovereignty, the Whoa. blessing of the Most High, all kinds of crazy. So they had to chop his body and hide the parts. That's what they do with uh, royalty. They put them in relinquaries and spread the body parts all around so that you can get a part, but you can't get the whole. And they're literally taking the ingredients you would need for certain spells and making it harder and harder to put the, bring them all together. That's, That's what, what Dahmer did. Mm-hmm. Dahmer did that. He spread the body all over his yard. Mm-hmm. Their turn, yeah, that's what they do. They they're uh, making a scavenger hunt, vulture, right? <laughs> You're the vulture. You're got scavenger hunt. If you want to get all the pieces you need for the spell, you got to do a lot of digging, and there's a treasure hunt involved. So well, that's just not if you if you got a dog and you start giving him a bunch of bones, what does that dog do? He goes and he buries them in a bunch of different mm-hmm. places all over the, the yard. Right? The dog, them the up. Dog. that's right. So we just saw that name was well, uh, Richard and Wolfgang. Mm-hmm. So we have aspects of this mm-hmm. lionization, this cannibalistic concept of necromancy, and we have the wolf, which, like Thomas said, will dig up the bones. So this plays Damn. into this is why I wish I knew what type of grimoires he was reading or which type of magical system he was looking into, because this plays into using various body parts. I believe it's called Galate Galatian. Uh, physiology where a certain body part gives you a certain power and it's tied to the picatrix which is a a famous grimoire again where it uses literally every single bodily thing to make a talisman and the i would love i didn't look into it because i'm not i'm not i don't know a lot about astrology or anything like that but i would love to see what was what was the sky saying when he was killing these people was he aware of astrology because again Part of this talismanic magic is making sure that the celestial bodies are within alignment in order to invoke 
a certain type of power into this talisman. And a talisman can be quite literally anything. It can be a physical uh, talisman or it can be a person, right? That's the whole thing mm-hmm. with the homunculus. You you invoke this energy into this thing. Uh, it can be a building. It can be a sword. It can be a chalice. It can be uh, this skull and these bones, right? So uh, this all plays a role into it. And that's why I would love to see, you know, and... Uh, Thomas, you brought up the, it's funny that they made the worms not go into the light. It's like when you're about to die, what's the main thing? Stay away I'm from the light. I'm glad you brought that up too, because not, not only is there that funny, like subtle context of like preventing wow. the worm from entering the light. Right. But this happened in a place they, they dubbed the worm lab that was in a basement of a place called Mason hall. Uh, and the uh there wasn't direct research connected to this worm experiment and adrenochrome but this this happened to be in the exact same uh college where adrenochrome experiments were going on around the same time 1955ish um and that research itself was funded entirely by the scottish rate uh freemasons so there's a the the fact that you say Illuminati confirmed the, the worms Illuminati from getting into the light some, some funny metaphors related you can't to talk it. about them bro you're going to get you're gonna get blackballed. I'll be I told fine, you. bro. I I got told them, told them not to be talking about it, bro. You can't be, you know, exposing their secrets. They start cutting your connection and stuff like that. And it's with part... the oh, with the eclipse stuff in astrology. If there was more people involved with the whole Dahmer thing on a more massive scale of people, when he was baptized and when Gacy was doing like the same stuff with his 33 victims on top of all that. They did it on a solar eclipse. Are uh, you when, kidding? Yeah. So yeah, when they full when solar it, eclipse, a full solar eclipse. And I know yeah, we're coming up on a solar eclipse. That's hitting, that hits right in my face. I did not know that part of it. So a lot of what I'm going to bring to the table today is going to stitch right into what you just said. That's alarming. Woo! That's alarming. I did not know. Uh, and I'm going to freak out if we're at an 18.6 lunar standstill cycle away. You know, 37 years. Who knows? We should do the math. I did not know that. I got some more researching to do, Donut. Thank you. Uh, no one told me that there was going to be any math required in this podcast whatsoever. Yeah. So. Yeah. We got, we got, uh, I think we got some uh, eclipse magic. So, math. You had graph paper and, and stuff. I got a little bit scared. I saw you pull out graph paper. <laughs> oh, yeah. I did all the tracing board. So, the masks, masks, theater masks are a uh, eclipse ritual. And so we've been wearing masks for all these years, and you better believe they're going to harvest all of that anxiety psychologically and collectively, and they're about to put it into a major spell. And so the uh, the masks are an eclipse because obviously, right, one goes in front of your face, it's an eclipse, it makes sense. But there's a happy one and there's a sad one in theater. Well, those are the arc, the archways that the uh, path of the eclipse will make. It can be a frowny face or it can be a smiley face that's the sigma wave that these uh that these eclipses make and we have an eclipse we have two eclipses inbound full solar and a partial lunar and they're both happening on uh in this next month october and november on my birthday october 25th my 31st birthday everybody don't even worry it's on the eclipse you can hit me in the venmo illuminati confirmed well, yeah, so we got one on the scales and we got one on the Scorpio. They might actually both be in the Scorpio, but they're building up for it during uh, in the season of the scales. This Dahmer was launched right at the equinox. 
They did not miss a beat. They dropped it right on the gateway. They put it at the threshold. And as the sun is going down, losing its energy, and the light is going low, and the darkness is rising, right at that markation is when they launched the spell. And it is a dark spell. It has a, And it has been put in play. I can track it all the way back to the Smith-Monk Modernization Act in 2012 when they put out The Life of Pi, which was a movie very subtly justifying cannibalism in a very intimate way. Uh, if you watch that film, uh, there's a lot more to that too. Turns out Life of Pi was based on a fictional story that Edgar Allan Poe wrote. Uh, his only short novelette was about a, uh, a shipwreck and a bunch of guys on a dinghy. They had to draw straws in the uh, cabin boy who was named Richard Parker. He got eaten uh, in this fictional no- novel. Some years later, I think it was 12 or 10, uh, it actually happened. All those events actually happened in real life. A ship goes down, a bunch of guys on a dinghy. There's a cabin boy named Richard Parker, and he draw, and they draw his straw for him because he's in a coma from the accident. He was knocked out. He gets the short straw, and they ate him. And they had to go to the Supreme Court and uh, testify, and they got uh, charged for manslaughter, uh, regardless of the laws of the sea. So that is the foundation of the life of Pi. It's in your Supreme Court. You can look it up. It's, and it went from fiction to nonfiction to fiction again. And then they put it back into fiction with the life of Pi. So it's like, it's, a, it's like a sine wave. Smiley face, frowny face, smiley face, frowny face. And in 2012 is when they collapsed reality and fiction with the Smith-Munt Modernization Act. And that law said before they launched that act Right after they dropped Hiroshima, three like days after Hiroshima, they, they put forward this act that says you have to point your propagandizing outward for westward expansion. You can only propagandize internationally international interests. Well, in 2012, Barack Obama pointed all that propaganda in on us. And now the weapon of information is pointing at us. And all the families that we napalmed for expansion, their children are pissed, and they just gave them all guns, and they're turning in on us now. The extended territories are a ring around America, and they do not like the heartland. We'll say that. Gabe, you, you brought up Hiroshima. I just have to inject this really quick because this is such a weird coincidence. That guy that I had just mentioned before, James V. McConnell, the one that ran that flathead experiment with the worms and training of all that. This dude had the weirdest career trajectory. I'm not going to get into his whole biography, but believe it or not, he he joined the military right as World War II was ending. And he was one of the, uh, he was actually on the boat that delivered and witnessed one of the first um, nuclear atom bombs. It was on, uh, uh, what was it called? Operation Crossroads at Bikini Atoll. So what are the chances that the guy that comes up with the flatworm experiment or way earlier on in his career, like 30 years prior to that, he actually was one of the small handful of people that personally witnessed these bombs going off at Bikini Atoll Islands. Wow, that is amazing. So that puts him in the role of Andromeda uh, for me. He is uh, he's the homunculus, you know, at Trinity Bombsite. They had a homunculus there to absorb the effects so that puts him in the homunculus spot and in the position of Andromeda in the Cosmodrama that I'm seeing on a major scale. 
Thanks for that, bro. That's well, crazy. And, and since we talk about the atom bomb, I wanted to mention too that if you look at the etymology of the last name Dahmer, it basically translates to one from Adam. And it was it was so funny because Juan's clip, out of all the things he could have clipped in that intro, it was the clip of Dahmer talking about that broken rib. And I think uh-huh. about from Adam, I think about the rib, you know, creating another person, a homunculus. You he wanted to bitch. create he wanted to create a companion <laughs> from body parts, right? What did Adam Woo! do? Oh, Frankenstein. Right? What's the next step from Adam and Eve? Then you've got Cain and Abel. Well, yeah. Cain and Abel, the original cannibal, right? Yeah. Um, and Cain-9. So I, I just feel like this is starting to get into your realm cave because I'm stretching words. No, you're good. <laughs> well, the Cain, the Cain and Abel story in ancient Rome, too, is uh, uh, Romulus and the other R one and they were literally yeah, sucking yeah. off the teat of the mother wolf. All right. Right. All they right. were the let twins me, that were sucking off share, the teeth of the mother wolf. Share. Get on it, baby. On pull, pull it up. Pull it up. This is getting spicy. Yeah. We're, 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 we're dig- we are, we are sinking our teeth uh, deeper. The, the biblical stuff came out. So it's about to get spicy. <laughs> Dick Wolf gains semen is just spraying his, spraying the walls <laughs> with all of his truth. With all the his seed everywhere, bro. There you go. I'm about like to pull you mean. up here. Ready? Yep. There we go. Okay, so, so we're picking up a little bit on where we left off with the werewolf work and uh, our big reveal on the fact that Adolf Hitler's name is the big encode. Zoom in. Can you Turns zoom in? Out, mm. Yep. Turns out, oh shit. Hold on. I got it. Turns out we were absolutely correct. I mean, we were just speculating, but I did the legwork here. Well, uh, some friends of mine did the legwork. Big love to Carrie. Let's let's give credit where credit is due. Big shout up to Carrie. Shout out to Carrie. Yeah, yeah. Shout she she dropped this on us that the Adolf literally translates to the head wolf. It's the Ed Oath. It's the noble wolf. This is the wolf head clan. This is a secret society that goes way back. It would take forever. That's a whole nother podcast. But I want to point out the head wolf is in Libra. Right here, you can see lupus. This is the Ooh. only wolf on the minor decans of the zodiac. That makes, sense. that makes sense, actually. And look at its correspondent to the twins. This is the Hermanos. This is the Germans. Germans means twins. Germans means brothers. It means spearsmen. It's the Gemini. All things mm. Gemini are German. And so here we have uh, Germani. The- this is the she-wolf, and she's suckling on two twins. The myth of Romulus and Remus is encoded in the sign of uh, Libra, right here where we are in the calendar when they launched this movie. And so it turns out Anubis, the word Anubis is perfectly correspondent with Saturn. Uh, uh, it's it's perfect. It's a flawless grammatological uh, uh, correspondence. Oh, Whoa, and not to note what? that you, you're pointing the Gemini there, and uh, Jeffrey Dahmer was a, was Gemini, a Gemini, which is one of the many reasons he that was. he also bonded with that Exorcist Three movie because in the Exorcist yes. Three movie it was the Gemini killer. So, right. so don't so, we all do we not all associate with like, like an Exorcist movie or something? Like, is that not normal to do? Like, to yeah. want to be real quick, y'all. Well, real quick, I, I, I got to point it out. I got to point out Donald Trump is a Gemini. So while we're watching the trials and tribulations of Donald Trump and watching 
uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, the most hated psychopath in the world, there is perfect correspondence. Look at their swish of their haircut. They almost look like each other. This is uh, my theory is it is all orchestrated. This is all man's pride foolishness. This is uh, this is all part of uh, an inorganic orchestrated correspondence. And so Jim and I, Germans, it's all brother on brother. This is to make you not only not trust your fellow man or your family members, uh, I think it even has to do with uh, doubting your higher self, your inner conscience, you know, eat the crickets, mm-hmm. eating Gemini cricket. That's your inner consciousness. Oh, shit. Uh, it's also uh, John the Baptist who had the locusts in honey. So it's an homage to John the Baptist. And uh, here, there we go. Wow. And it's a, you know, war amongst your own house. A house divided cannot stand. Mm -hmm. So anything about Germans or, you know, distrusting Geminis, uh, germ warfare, a cold war, a cold war. How many decades did we have a cold war? Right. So all of those are just viral concepts. The most infectious thing in the world is an idea. And they did a real good job of spreading it because it's everywhere I look. Wow. <laughs> That's fantastic. I got our, our... Go ahead, Donut. Oh, I just had uh, a question about these uh, clips that is happening, uh, what you were saying, how Dahmer was released in the, the beginning of the arch and then October 25th when the next eclipse will happen is when it's going down. So there will be more winter time coming. And the next eclipse is on seven eleven is when it starts, which is November, <laughs> right? So Never forget. I mean, so seven eleven, Elon tweeted all the seven eleven stuff. And you got all the seven eleven robberies, his stock went to seven eleven. What do you think is coming with this arch? I mean, that's very fascinating. It's a good question, man. Uh, I think the espionage act is being messed with. It is uh, a lot of signs and symbols are pointing at that. Uh, the Julian Assange thing is pretty integral. I'll, uh, I'll bring up another, just so I don't have any hanging chads, I'll bring up one more visual here. Uh, and we will get we'll get to the eclipse spell because I, I do have some things, some ingredients uh, that I think are going to be, so the word ceremony or serial killer it's the same word. When we use the word serial killer, we're actually honoring mm-hmm. the person who performed the killing. We're actually saying this person says their prayers mm-hmm. before they eat. And that's evil. That's really what saying serial killer, uh, what it means. And so humanity has turned away from how sacred killing your own food is. We've turned away from that. And in uh, this Dahmer thing is vilifying it to the next level so that, uh, you know, somebody who, you know, says a prayer before they kill the chicken that they're about to feed their family with, you know, is it c- categorically like a religious zealot. You know, we're making these correspondences that are just removing us further and further away from the food cycle, you know, more and more shame over what you put in your body uh, here. I'll put. Uh, Someone asked, does 7-Eleven mean November 7th or November 11th? So 7-11 would be, uh, I believe, uh, November 11 is November. So it's the 7th of November. That's my dad's birthday, is it? 
But the thing is, is that the whole calendar stuff is all mixed up because Novum is nine. So November is technically nine. Right. Seven and nine. That's the that's the periodic number for gold. Seventy nine. Really? And you have the lion L. We have, you know, L is sacred. Elohim. uh, L God. And then we have the lion, the alchemical lion that eats the sun. Right. In the transmutation process. So. Heavy stuff. You think, you know, maybe yeah, there's, there's with, mad alchemy going on here. Yeah, that's wild. 100. There you go. And I was gonna say I love these live uh, live streams, man, because like we we find new stuff up like yeah. on the fly. And <laughs> yeah. donut donut mentioned skull and bones and the German connection. And I was thinking like, man, there's another secret society at Yale that's right alongside skull the and bones. Wolf's it was head. actually originally called the Third Society, oh, right? Which is Wolf's Head. Oh. And oh, I was yeah. just there I was just are. looking around and I noticed that one of the um like the most uh high profile graduates that was in Wolfshead Society that's publicly advertised on the wiki at least is a guy named Anson Goodyear, who was the first president of the um the Museum of Modern Art. And the Museum of Modern Art we're gonna get into towards the uh the end here that's gonna connect at all of this, it's gonna connect cannibalism, Dahmer. It's gonna collect, uh, connect Illuminati, Bohemian Grove. Of course, hide it, hide it in the art gallery and hide it in the library. Like, oh, just do just there, you know, just wait until you find out what's in this art gallery because you're gonna. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> my mind's being blown right now with all this. Like, with the the seven nine equaling gold, and we having all these dollar collapse situations all over the world. Yep. With seven mm. two though, which is interesting uh and no, i'm i'm all over the place never mind <laughs> so so this one this one is just me you know starting off i always start with the birthday of the homunculus what day is the homunculus born mm-hmm. uh, be, and uh because the birthday is proof of the the master's control you know the master can't let the homunculus be born on any day it has to be on exactly the day as prescribed by the by he who compels the homunculus uh, or the thought egregore, if you will. So it's September 21st. And so I start looking around, pulling up, you know, symbols of judgment, symbols, uh, you know, the tarot card for Libra is the judgment card. Uh, in the Thoth deck, it's the adjustment card. So, you know, we have an adjustment mm-hmm. for weights and measures might be in play. The word tolerance, the word tolerance, it doesn't just mean being nice to somebody. It means also uh how much fuckery are you willing to live with it means how long you can live with uh how much poison you can take in and it also means how much uneven weights and measures is acceptable socially and uneven weights and measures is mammon mammon by definition is false valuation and so uh, and mammon is one of the uh, demons in the infernal realms so it's literally named a demon. The dose Tolerance, makes the poison too, huh? Yeah, man. Tolerance equals mammon. So I just put all this together. You know, this is the Hexenhammer. This is a Malleus Maleficarum. This is a witch hunt. This is the handbook for the witch hunt. And in this book, there are illustrations of how to be a witch. So it teaches the judge who, who handles the gavel, who handles the hammer. It teaches him not only how to find witches, but it teaches him soul cooking, spirit cooking, all the things evil and satanic that everybody's made a big deal about before. And they're drumming it up again. They're bringing out the Malleus Maleficarum. 
And I'll be damned if they're going to come after me because I know my tarot. You know <laughs> what I mean? That's some scary shit, y'all. This this could get real inquisitorial. And that's linked to to James, right? King James. Yep. It is linked to King. He wrote about in his demonology about werewolves, right. vampires, witches, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, this was in his day. This uh, so this ha- this the Malleus Maleficarum was uh, brought up in Germany. I think it was most used in Germany. Then it was brought back in in England, and then it got used up in Salem. You know, this they just bring it up when they need to. Uh, so I thought I would uh, share this because he's got the lion L. Now, one thing interesting about the lion, uh, Crowley switched the lion and the scales in his Thoth deck. He left the Virgo. He didn't touch the Virgo. He left her pristine. She's the secret keeper. She's Langley. She's holding her tongue. She's uh, the right to remain silent. He didn't touch her. She remains impeccable. And he switched the lion and the scales. So the fact that his name is Lion, Lion L, and the fact that they launched it just at the beginning of the scales plays very strongly into a lot of the Thoth Crowley uh tarot logic which is beyond uh, i don't know what's up with that but i just i see it when i see it and point it out as best i can and i want to share this real quick we probably are going to talk about uh neurotoxins and uh uh uh, rendering people immobilized Mm -hmm. for the sake of procedures and nefarious acts well this has precedent in 1975 when the church committee revealed the heart attack gun. The heart attack gun uh, is made out of a shellfish toxin, leaves no trace. You die within minutes. And heart attack gun is an acronym for H-A-G. That's the HAG. We are talking about Cersei upholding the spell, upholding the spell. He's holding it aloft. This is a tavila. Aloft is a phonetic anagram for tavila. It's a baptism. His whole name literally translates to Frank Cersei holds the Tavila, a baptism, for the hag. This was a ritual. And they got free delivery in the church committee. They delivered the message to the masses. Look what the word Frank actually means. Ensuring free carriage to mark. This is to facilitate or assist to come and go or pass to enter easily, Frank means the privilege issued to certain people and establishments, entitling them to delivery without postage stamp. Frank <laughs> Church Committee. Without Pretty postage. far out. And, and not just the heart attack gun, but this uh, Frank Church and the Church Committee hearings is also where a majority of the mind control and sort of um, other drugs related to MK Ultra came out into the public sphere for the very first time. This mm-hmm. is this is that committee. Yeah, man, this was a huge disclosure moment. Seventy five, uh, huge disclosure moment. Yeah, this was a uh, Mockingbird two came out. Somebody in the chat That's said right. HG is Mercury on the periodic table. Is that? Yeah, it is HG. Also, H H A G is also uh, you know in the. Uh, in the Pythagorean order, it's also harmony, arithmetic, and geometry. It's a holy trinity. So they're actually withholding sacred knowledge and vilifying it and giving you fucking bedtime stories so that you're not so that you will look away. 
Well, uh, Frank reminds me of uh, Donnie Darko, speaking of Donnie being uh, Gemini, right? So I'm sure there's some stuff there. Very well put. Yes. Oh, so, uh, okay. So, yeah, the Franks are, uh, they have a strong history with the Merovingian bloodlines. Uh, This is back when France and Germany were one. This was the the Franco Empire was Germany and France together. And they, in the Merovingians, they actually boasted that their great, great matriarch was raped by a sea monster. And that gave them divine right to rule because grandma got down with a monster. Now those Romans down South, their patriarchs were raped by Zeus. Europe, your rope, your rope means a good raping. Your is good rape. So it was a good raping that Zeus uh, made the patriarchs of Rome uh, godlike, gave them their godlike characteristics. So there's an animosity between the Franks and the Romans, and the Franks are down with the sea monsters. They came from down below, and the Romans, they're claiming to be from above. Dude, so like Jupiter is Zeus, right? Zeus is Jupiter. And they're saying that there's these sea monsters, which are octopuses, on the planet Europa. Europa. So um, I wonder if there's a connection there with what you're saying in the storyline of mythological stuff like that. You know, Europa is where they're telling us the aliens are going to come down here from. Wait, Wasn't that where the monolith was, was in 2001 Space Odyssey? Europa? Right, yes, it was, yeah. So there's a ton of predictive programming or storylines with this Europa stuff in mainstream news, mainstream films, Mm -hmm. all that. I was going to say that Jupiter was the one that commanded gods and humans to cease cannibalism, to stop eating each other. That was Jupiter that (laughs) decreed that. And wasn't the whole uh, Arcadia... The story of the werewolf, the first werewolf that he was trying to feed human meat to the gods, and that's also a a a sin or something like that that they're not mm-hmm. able to do that, right? With mm-hmm. with Arcadia, and also I you shamed I, him for it. I want yeah, I want to bring up. You can finish up, and then I'll bring up another connection that I have with with Dahmer and uh, the food of the gods, which you can get into that. Yeah. Uh, well, I I thought it was oh wait, go ahead, go ahead. Well, one thing one thing that I just learned is that uh, the cover of H.P. Lovecraft's novel, um, the uh, the Call of Cthulhu, it actually has a famous painting on the front, and uh, the name of that character escapes me. Sorry for not being ready for this, but he was the one that fed a, a child to the gods, and only one of them, uh, one of the gods, ate it. And so it like slipped through their radar. Interesting. And uh, yeah, the the guy on the cover of H.P. Lovecraft, he his sin was uh, bringing cannibalism to Olympus. And also like with the Cthulhu is the octopus alien, right? That's mm-hmm. on Europa. We hear it in the Simpsons where we got the two octopus aliens controlling mm-hmm. politics and also eating humans. There's a whole episode about serving humans and it's about we're going to serve <laughs> yeah. the humans, but they're actually serving them for dinner. So there's all this. And then you got um, the story that goes even back to the Bible where we get the um, – octopus alien in the pirates of the caribbean where davy jones locker mm-hmm. right goes all the way back to uh jonah davy jones locker jonah jones and all that 
And we can tie I, in. I think you know. We can tie in the Johnny Depp homunculus connection there because, uh, the, and also I tie. I, I think that <laughs> Nicolas Cage is an immortal alchemist because he did inspire Johnny Depp to become a a an actor. He inspired him, the great Nicolas Cage. And also the connection there with the body parts, right? She was cutting off his finger and all this crazy stuff that she was doing to him. The bodily fluids. Again, I think that's some sort of magical rituals going on there behind the scenes. And I think it pissed him off when he brought it out to the exoteric and put it out there as literally a shit show, right? <laughs> <laughs> Zing. And speaking yeah, I wanted to... Sorry, go ahead. Speaking about poop shows, like the whole of psychology of like, where we're all coming from as intelligent beings, like with the, the worms and what first starts off is the oral sensory of a baby where they just put everything in their mouth, which is because they want to put the tit in their mouth and all s- smart creatures do this. They're just consistently just eating stuff, what's good and what's bad. And then what develops is like the anal stuff that Freud talked about <laughs> and um, why, I don't know, with the homunculus and the poop and all this, when you're a kid, the first thing you create is a poop. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the poop is sort of like a homunculus too. We get weird. Everyone got toilet paper, right? Well, so- when you, when you talk about the the baby putting things in the mouth because it's the sensory organ, if you look at those depictions of what is it, the cortical or the sensory homunculus cortex, it's man. got it's got those like um, you know distributed through the nerve endings, so that like the way that the homunculus looks represents how that baby is first kind of experimenting and and experiencing the world for the first time. I love it. What were you gonna say, Romy? You were gonna say something. I think I cut you off. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. No worries. Um, well, there's there's multiple plugs there. That was that's really good. Uh, but um, you know, when I was looking up, because a large part of the rabbit hole that I went down while getting ready for this show was going into the history of medicinal cannibalism and corpse medicine and uh, mumia, like mummy, you know, mummy medicine that was used all the way up until a German company thinks stopped producing it in like 1908. They had the last powdered mummies that were available. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just goes to show that there has never been a time when there hasn't been some sort of form of cannibalism. And when they formed this, uh, you know, Paracelsus will bring up again because he was a master at corpse medicine. And um, one of the things that they found out, and this is why the skull is held so sacred, is because the skull is where the spirit lives. We said this earlier, right? But escapes on a natural death on a natural death that you have you go through your death experience your body separates from your soul but if you go through a tragic death or a hanging from a ropa then your spirit gets trapped in your head people come to the goalie with their cups to drink of the blood that -hmm. might be full of extra adrenochrome right Mm -hmm. it's extra amped up because when you put a person through a stressful death, the body becomes insanely more them. valuable. He strangled a yes. lot of them. 
So yes. to keep that essence in, that makes a lot of mm-hmm. sense because they're trying to, and, and what you're saying, when people at beheadings and all these stuff, they would soak up the blood of whoever was, the people with leprosy and all that, they would run up and soak up the blood to either drink it or, or apply it anywhere because mm-hmm. they were trying to, how you're saying. They, they, they're, I brought up a medicinal cannibalism one time to somebody and there was a bunch of comments like, oh, that's not true. I go, 100%. It got to the point where mummies were so expensive, they started using the bodies of like, just like people that they found dead on the side of the road or whatever or something to to sell because the price of mummies got so high and it's yeah. like like buying expensive <laughs> cognac right like oh I've got a bottle here of that uh, 1985 is this what well, it's like they said they would actually try to find more peasants because mm-hmm. peasants had more of this stuff in there so they thought like hey you know eat the gods eat the kings and 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 get their their gnosis but instead they found it to be more beneficial to them to actually eat people who had a more stressful life and a stressful death as opposed to a catered life and death because there was literally more constituents in that bot those body remains that benefited the people eating and i mean it is true it's and we use body parts that people don't understand in in modern science now Mm -hmm. um but you know paracelsus was the father of toxicology and you know this is all rooted from cannibalism everything that we know and experience has come off of cannibalistic properties and pointing the finger at other cultures saying that they're more cannibal than us while you go and do it and slap another name and label on it for your purposes and practices for your church and your deity but it still is fucking happening and it is still happening you bet your sweet fucking took us it is still happening 100 percent. you know uh so i gotta uh say thanks for the show you guys did juan and donut uh I actually I was rewinding it over and over on a few spots, and uh, that day that was the day that I memorized Philippus, Ariolus, <laughs> Theophrastus, Bombastus, von Hohenheim. I finally right. got it memorized. I had to do it a few times. Speaking that of was um, badass that you yeah, guys dropped the pair. Of well, that was all, dude. That was all Juan. Like he brought that that heat. I just was there. Um, was- speaking about medicinal. Uh, Egypt mummies, right? How you eat it for medicinal purposes. And it made me think about the smoking. What if you smoke a mummy like in the movie How High? Mm-hmm. And then it got it. me like thinking about it. You know, like what they're, what they're doing is they're doing that mummified medicine by cannabis. And I'm like, man, cannabis sounds a lot like cannibal. <laughs> you have a that's Yes, brother. But they're going to Harvard and doing this, and Harvard's on that Ivy League ley line with Salem and the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and all that. Yeah. What if that's hold on, hold on. What if that's what BJ Clinton was doing with Lewinsky? Mm. It wasn't just any cigar. Mm. Was that it meat was a cigar? Harvard skull and bone <laughs> mummy dust cigar. Smoking that mummy. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt it. I would not doubt that at all. So the the, the weed connection. There was the Causeway Cannibal, the CC, the thirty three in Miami of allegedly this guy who smoked some sort of synthetic cannabinoid and ate some dude's face off. Did you guys ever uh-huh. hear about that? It was in twenty twelve, yeah. I believe. So a hundred percent that does how you're saying it does it, but it also sounds like canine, right? We have the what canine was his name again. I don't know his name, but it was the Causeway Cannibal. 
The Causeway Cannibal. Because it was oh, under wow. it was under a it was under a bridge in Miami. But we have cannabis. We have canine, right? Because uh, I know I did a show with uh, Sir Barley Stone here where we were talking about the esoteric. Uh, meanings of the dog and you know a, a mm-hmm. dog is a man's best friend it came up in the homunculus talk it came up in this research that I, that I was doing on Agrippa one of the greatest occultists of all time that was allegedly having sexual relations with his dog and the dog was allegedly Satan his it was his familiar and it was actually Satan so he took the the man's best friend saying and took it to a whole another level but again, if these occultists are willing, maybe his, maybe that dog just had the biggest dick he ever found, and he's like, "I need to lock this down, bro. I need these magic spells to always come through." So it's like, oh yeah, go go. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, we're just we're just getting. I was about to make a nasty. No, I was about to get a nasty joke, bro. It's not even supposed to be. We're live. I'm trying to show. Some uh, so let here. let's draw the 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 medicinal. Uh, connection, Thomas. I know you have some good stuff on the medicine that obviously. Uh, Slick brought it up. The you, the putting people in a comatose state and and drugging mm. them. There's also a connection with the company that made one of the drugs that Dahmer was using, along with other a, a lot more notable drugs that are used today. Which I believe the the pharmaceutical companies is just another big mafia. I've seen it firsthand with my experiences in my family, and I believe maybe they played a role into this, Thomas. So, so the the company was called Upjohn, and they were created in 1886 in Michigan. But the, what was interesting is the, the the drug we're talking about is Halcyon. I think that's the way it's pronounced. And this company Upjohn only has a tiny handful of drugs that they ever brought to market that kind of put them on the map. Halcyon's one, which isn't as popular outside of the Jeffrey Dahmer sort of uh, area, but the other ones are incredibly popular. One's Motrin, as in Motrin, you know, I be um, oh, yeah. Rogaine, which helps you grow hair, sort of like a werewolf, a werewolf might grow hair. And the other one is Xanax. And a lot of people have heard of Xanax. This is the, the company. This is what put them on the map outside of that drug that Jeffrey Dahmer used. Interesting. So we have the hair connection there. And I, so at, at the. What are, you, at, what are you holding up here? What are you selling us? Spalanthes. <laughs> What is it? Spilanthes. <laughs> it's what? a plant. Single source plant medicine makes your mouth tingle. Come on, bro. We're, let's not take that off of here. YouTube's going <laughs> to ping me for, for selling some, some underground Spilanthes. stuff. So uh, the, we, we brought off the, the Wolfhead Society in, in, I'm drawing a blank. Help me out. Over in, in Yale. In Yale. And we can, there's a connection with, rockefeller there with that well, hold on i got i want to i'm a sucker for chronology so if you don't mind i'd like to rewind this back as far as i can are you gonna go there i i'm I, not gonna do a full history dump but yeah i want to go i want to go back to like i thought you were gonna tone it down for the live but you're gonna you're gonna go there dude? No, we're not gonna, yeah i mean i'm not gonna go anywhere yeah i guess i will I guess, all right, all right. well move. just just a heads up everybody this, this is where it's gonna okay go ahead go ahead thomas so i want to i want to postulate at least between the five of us that vampirism cannibalism and essentially like devouring people as a werewolf let's just consider those three things one thing until Mm -hmm. we get far enough uh along to modern day when it's going to turn into another one thing so as far back as i could find direct references you've got like 4000 bc the sumerians have this um this evil demon 
sort of temptress that has seven different evil names. But one of the names um, is Akimu. And this kind of translates to being snatched away. And it was known as being almost like an evil wind that would come through the town. And like what Romy was saying, if you there was like this whole list of ways that you could get possessed or get eaten up by this kind of like evil wind demon. And it was being born, um, dying too early when you were still a kid. If you got like consumption, if you got like a list of these these ailments. Well, one of the specific things, and we're talking 4,000 BC, right? 6,000 years ago at least. One of the things that, that this demon would do, they would try to terrify you and they would prey specifically on children and they would terrify the children before they started drinking the blood from them, elevating the adrenaline and just like the overall fear and emotions. So this is as far back as I could find some actual documented um, in Sumerian, multiple Sumerian texts all reference this one kind of entity. So start tracing this through thinking like, okay, we've got this general archetype of a vampire slash demon that specifically eats children, drinks blood, and does it not just for survival, um, but but as some sort of like inheriting power and essence. And do- doing that through fear, not just like going in the middle of the night, you know, jumping on the neck, drinking the blood. So the so some of the next instances is in the ninth and seventh uh, between ninth and seventh centuries. Again, there's this daughter of heaven who tortures babies, wears a hairnet, and braces them with death. And this is another one of these seven names of this demon. As as you start going forward in history, before we even get to the Bible, then you've got Lamashtu, which is basically an original inspiration for the story of Lilith. So we're inching a little bit closer towards the Bible and some of the taboo that gets wrapped around this. Because one of the interesting things that I didn't get to go in a deep rabbit hole, but that the Western world has a lot more taboo placed on it in terms of cannibalism and vampirism versus the Eastern world. Uh, there was like this hard line. And, it, and essentially, the Eastern world didn't even have many of the taboos around cannibalism until they came in contact with the Western world. And it sort of rubbed off on them. And now modern day, cannibalism is you know this ultimate taboo but it hadn't always been the case in this concept of specifically scaring babies drinking their blood eating them persists well sometime after we get through greek mythology and Sumerian mythology and like you know ancient roman mythology the bible gets written and there's one of the oldest oldest and and as the uh, adl claims the oldest anti-semitic conspiracy in the history of our planet is something called blood libel. Have any of you guys heard of blood libel before? Strap down. So so blood libel is really just a a repetition of all these old ancient Sumerian Mesopotamian demons carried over. And once you get into sort of Christianity and and biblical, they group that stuff together into just one thing. Like, you know, dementia praecox is this one thing, but really it's 400 things. Gabe, (laughs) I'm calling on Gabe in the back. (laughs) Blood liable initials BL reverses to LB. That's the pound. That's the libra. That's the scales. We are in the season of the LB where the debts must be paid. Just pointing that out. LB, you oh, said it. Well, and you and you say debt must be paid. And for anyone that's unaware of of blood libel story, essentially the concept is that um, that. 
it was blamed on the Jews specifically, but this goes way back before the Jews. It just happened to be this rumor that had always been prescribed on small minorities and pockets. And it was kind of used to, you know, ostracize people and kick them out of the community. But this persistent conspiracy started 6,000 years ago and somewhere around the Middle Ages gets prescribed onto the Jewish community and they call it blood libel. But the, the essential idea, not just in the Jewish community, but before that, was it once a year or a plan once every seven years, they would have to find, terrify, torture, and kill a child as the sacrifice. And if they did this on a consistent basis, it would bring on the prophecy. And the prophecy in terms of like the anti-Semitic version of blood libel was to have kind of the state of Israel formed. Now we're talking about blood libel uh, going back in recorded history in like the 1100s and all the way forward. And every single instance kind of followed this exact same pattern. Kid goes missing. Jew gets blamed for kid missing. They find the kid. It's usually mutilated in some kind of ways. And then almost like overnight, the king will come in or like whoever's running the country comes in and says, guys, get the hell out. You know, like no more of this blood libel stuff. You're out of the country. And all of a sudden they get kicked out of a country for two, three, four hundred years. And they don't get to come back until it's actually written into law, specifically talking about blood libel. So this concept of blood libel, though, is essentially this exact same pattern we're talking about, you know, um, sacrificing, torturing, eating specifically small kids and then taking that and getting some kind of supernatural um, result out of it, whether it's you personally turning into a werewolf or gaining the adrenochrome, you know, extrasensory, or it might be to fulfill some kind of other prophecy, which kind of brings in that concept of ritual cannibalism. So that's kind of this long, I mean, I'm, I'm skipping through, you know, like four or five days we were going back on this. So this is like the ultimate Cliff Notes version of this, just a little tiny bite of the history of cannibalism from like 6,000 up to essentially today. So, and, that, and that represents the taboo behind all that. Like it started with this concept of blood libel, and that's where the ultimate taboo still persists today. Yikes. Right. So uh, BTK, bind, torture, kill. That's the recipe. BTK was a serial killer. And the last time he was taken up the headlines was during George Bush Jr.'s reign on terror. And it was at the time when Guantanamo Bay was uh, – being problematic for those who would uh, prefer to bind, torture, and kill at will down there in Guantanamo Bay. But I got to point it out, BTK in uh, Gamatria, the most simple of ciphers, the most basic uh, ordinal reduced, 222. And that corresponds with build back better. And while they're building back better, they're binding you in your home, putting masks on your face so they can bind, torture, and kill at will. We are all in Guantanamo Bay at this point. So David Icke says it's one thing to know that you're in a prison and touch and feel the bars and to be in a prison where you can't touch and feel the bars. That's why I tell people it's very important to learn about these sort of things, even if it is cliche, right? The Illuminati, oh, it's, it's, I believe it's true and, and it's one thing to... Uh, be under the knowledge of that you are being trying to be you know controlled by something higher uh, versus not knowing right the people who are ignorance is bliss that's the whole thing with the matrix and he's gonna eat his steak no matter what because he knows it's fake but he's still gonna eat it and still have a good time and some people i guess just enjoy that they enjoy just living life without a care in the world and i think you are 
giving up your energy to these, I guess, lizard people, elites. I don't, I don't know. You know, you know what I mean? It goes, it goes way back. It goes super deep. So where do you go? I got a graphic I'd love to share real quick. Bring it up. Uh, Let's see. Uh, I think they've been seeding this idea for a very long time. Um, I made a discovery a while back in some of my work around the, the word strange, uh, you know, uh, over on uh, Interverse and uh, with Chance and uh, Gordy Two Shoes, Big Love Brothers. Uh, we've been decoding the Doctor Strange series. Uh, and it's taken us forever. But I discovered that strange, uh, the word strange is a perfect correspondence in 22 ciphers. It has the same root number. Oh, shit. There's Doctor Strange right there, the in, the, 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 the yeah. multiverse of madness there. 22 ciphers, it's a perfect correspondence with shortage. So Doctor Strange is encoding a doctor shortage. And the Stranger Things movie came out recently. And uh, all of a sudden, we have very strange shortages, strange events happening in the news. Everything seems so strange. And in the weirdest way, we're actually seeding the idea of a crash. The stock is falling. Well, in Georgia, oh, by the way, Cersei from the church committee, the sorcerer, she's a, she's a master of poisons. Uh, she turns men into swine. Uh, she's probably uh, very eugenically inclined. She's also called the Gorgon. She's from Georgia, the country of Georgia. So Cersei is from Georgia. The Gorgon of Stranger Things was shot in the state of Georgia. <laughs> and in Georgia, in Georgia, that's where Hollywood has moved. Hollywood went down to Georgia because they're looking that. for everybody's soul to steal. Uh, Hollywood is no longer in Ca- in California. It's well, now in Georgia. The other thirty third parallel that links up somewhere over yep. there because uh, Hollywood's right on the thirty third. Yeah, I think so. So you guys can see how similar these Georgian guidestones look to the Gorgon that was shot in this location. And uh, the, the Demi Gorgon in the movie, the Gorgon gets hit with fireworks on the Fourth of July to die. That's the kill scene. This is the kill scene of the Gorgon. And the Georgian Guidestones went down uh, two days after the 4th of July. Oh, bro, that's a... That's nuts. You know, when you first showed this picture, too, the first thing that I thought of was the the artist, um, Louise Bougemont, or Bougie, that did the the Jeffrey Dahmer Arc of Hysteria statue. Yeah. She also had one about spiders, and the freaking spiders looked identical to it. I don't know if you can pull one. Let's talk uh, about the art after after Gabe is done, because I want to link that. The, the, we have a, a very important that, connection there. That Gorgon you were showing, man, it looked almost identical to that artwork. Oh, I remember. Oh, you nice. did flash that. I saw it. It does. It looks just like it. So what this is, it's a shortage. If we're having uh it's also, um, you were talking about uh, strangle. Everybody's being strangled. Strange strangle the red cord that was tying all the all the celebrities and the high profile researchers. Strangle, strange, and shortages are all correspondent. And what I'm getting at is that they've been seeding the idea of uh, desperate hunger. 
desperate to breathe, desperate to get food. You're desperate to get what you want. And you might have to resort to cannibalism. And they've been seeding it in our mind with all of these strange events that correspond so powerfully with the shortages that are in route. I, Wasn't there Beyond the Meat, uh, uh, Bill, uh, Bill Gates, uh, Beyond Meat, the lab-grown meat, they're having, comp- they're having competitions of steak competitions from real meat compared to a lab-grown steak. And people are like, this is real. You know, they're like, no, dude, that's, that's legitimately grown from a cell in there. And, you know, if that's the case, you know, with agenda 2030 and all that goodness, uh, that they, you know, the commercial quite literally legitimately says you'll be eating less meat and you'll enjoy it. You know, uh, it's like, well, you see like a very potential for like the soylent green situation. Um, I wonder one, and- one thing I wonder these, uh, these goats coming off the bridge, uh, for one, it encodes the stock falling, the falling of stock. But it also encodes Bill Gates, Billy Goat Gates in the mm-hmm. bridge. Billy factory. Goat Gates. So oh, there's a Billy Goat, Billy Goat Gates in the bridge woven into the spell. If anybody goes it, and you can look it up, the, the goats in the Chattahoochee, uh, there's actually a homeless dude named Hot Dog under the bridge <laughs> who reported somebody <laughs> dropping these goats off in the water. And they're... Oh, so they're hundred headless goats. That's hund red HG, red mercury. Oh, it's hundreds of headless goats is encoding red mercury also. There, so it also was, has a nuclear drop encoded in the spell. There was a, also, a a potion to rub on your skin to make you make you have like lycanthropic type of qualities was cinnabar and human fat. So there's that H because that's yeah. mercury right there in the cinnabar, dude. That's nuts. And human foreskins. And also just to add on real quickly with Soylent Green, that took place in 2022 where we're at right now. And Stranger Things connections to secret societies and all that. July 4th was created by Ben Franklin because that wasn't the real date for Independence Day. And he's part of the Hell's Fire Club. And the Hell's Fire Club goes right to stranger things connection as they had the hell's fire club and with georgia you got to think about cern too because the show's about cern and i love your presentation so i'm going to keep this short as uh just something to add on top of it is that where mount rushmore is suex falls turned green when cern opened their hard hard on collider so i like to call it that's it. Rock hard. And what happens when you strangle somebody or you hang yourself? You get get your rocks off. You <laughs> get no. Seriously though, you you're you get engorged in a certain area. So that might really have, you, that might have played a Is role. That why people hang like the hanging thing? Was the real Vitruvian man hung? Then was he just like being hung, and that's how he got the form of the Vitruvian oh, man? I don't. That's trip, deep, bro. bro. I don't <laughs> know. That's the so, that's so, the phoenix, right? That's the golem. It's the rebirth, the the rebirth cycle, where you're you're. The, so what 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 Barley Stone is talking about is the original Vitruvian man, which I wanted to bring up a a quote by Leonardo DiCaprio, Leonardo DiCaprio, Leonardo da Vinci. Well, Le, Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio, Leonardo DiCaprio is working on the new film about the 1888 serial killer H. H. Holmes at the World Fair. Really, right? you were bringing what? up that date of the um 
here it is right here. Dahmer, That's going to be good. Dahmer Medicine was created, or the company, in 1886, and I believe the World Fair was 1888. So I'm sure there's a connection there. I just notated that. The nice. that's crazy. The the Leonardo da Vinci truly man is the king of beasts for his brutality exceeds them. We live by the death of others. We are burial places. Now that is a lot of stuff there. Uh, but wow. what was he? You know, one of the greatest minds of all time, saying that we are burial places. You know, are you saying that metaphorically? Are you saying that? literally what is going on you know what i mean so, so da vinci was the 12th grand master of the priory of zion he was upholding the lineage of the merovingians da vinci mm. the merovingians these are conveying the bloodline um in that vein they're talking about not just grapes they're not just talking about grapes and oh. vineyards which oh, they want that part vein, of their boy. empire is vineyards <laughs> We're talking placenta, oh. y'all. And they always yeah. talk about Martha's Vineyard, right? Oh, they went to Martha's Vineyard. Like, they always bring up Martha's Vineyard for some reason. Oh, they all went to Martha. Like, all these elites always go what there. What is Martha's Vineyard? I what don't even Martha's know. Vineyard? It's, it's the uh, it's it's got to be uh, the the Garden of Eden, right? Or something like that? Like some, some sort of subterranean realm? It's always coming up. So, well, I forgot what I was originally going to say, but the, yeah, the, the you have the Da Vinci... A connection there and i completely blanked out wow that's embarrassing i'm really happy that you brought all this up though with da vinci the da vinci code which brought like the illuminati to the foreground of just like rabbit holes and all that and i the priory of scion i mm -hmm. know that's a huge topic that i'm learning about um so i'm happy that you brought that up and i think this taps into the again that same archetype that that starts six thousand years ago because that holy the holy grail with the sang real in it right the holy blood there's this mythological property that by having this blood or somehow you know even, maybe even drinking it if it were like literal blood then you could have you know the power of gods or the power well of that's Jesus the whole and, thing and with game. christianity right christianity at, at its core what are you doing when you do the eucharist you are uh, well, not just Christian. Well, that's, you're talking about Roman Catholicism, Catholicism specifically with the, the transubstantiation. Yes. Yeah. So, and the Scythians, too, with the skull caps, where they would use the skull caps. Yep. It's all when, connected. And, and when the, the conquistadors and the Spanish came over to the New World and they found the Aztecs, I found this was really interesting because we talk about <laughs> oh, cannibalism in like European history and, and kind of like Western history. But I mean, the Native mm -hmm. Americans and a lot of the uh, like the Aztecs and the people that were here way before the Europeans got here were also uh, doing like a lot of these same rituals. And one of the funny things that I found was that these conquistadors and the Spanish come over, they see these Aztecs almost beat for beat repeating the concept of transubstantiation. They're using a piece of corn and drenching it in blood and eating it instead of having like unleavened bread or like the weight, you know, the, the Eucharist, but it's the exact same ritual and everyone's going crazy. Cause they're like, this means one of two things, either a that the, you know, the, the Pope or the, uh, the papacy or some kind of Christians made their way over to this new world first showed them transubstantiation. And then they kind of like distorted it over the years before they came back or B Kind of like uh, the Bill Hicks joke about Satan, like going around and like digging up and burying uh, dinosaur bones. Like, ha ha ha, this will screw them over. They're going to go to hell if they believe in this. <laughs> but that was the concept was that they, that the devil 
went over to the new world, you know, four or 500 years before the explorers got there. And the devil was like, hey, here's this transubstantiation thing. Do it. But he taught them like a perverted version of it so that when the, you know, the old holy Roman Catholic and, and Spanish came over, they were like, oh, no, here's the right way to do transubstantiation. Here's how you eat your God with morals. Don't do it the way that you guys are doing it. But it was, again, this this freaking archetype. You do it in a suit in a church. Yeah, exactly. You got to you got to kneel. You got to stand. You got to kneel. You got to hear the little bells three little, times, little and then you're allowed to eat the god. You need an incense. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. And I think that I think that Most... there there is a where we just got done with with Indigenous People Day and Christopher Columbus, and I think that Juan Ponce de Leon and all these guys. I think Juan Ponce de Leon was an alchemical pun, right? Juan Ponce de Leon. So we have the lion. And there again, the alchemical lion that eats the sun. You have the Medici lions with Flagler and all of them. And you have the Rockefeller connection. So I think that alchemy is at its core uh, to all this stuff. And I think it's, I think maybe, again, we don't know. I, I, I really wish we knew what Dahmer was reading so we could see and maybe pick apart exactly what he was trying to make. If he was trying to make some sort of butt homunculus, who knows? But he had all the parts. I mean, he had the taboo of taboos. Literally uh, had all the parts he needed. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like the 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 worst. He did the worst of the worst. Like that's the top tier. What people talk about, like human sacrifice. They say that blood is one of the strongest offerings that you can give to an entity uh, for it to manifest. And uh, there was popes, dude. There was popes drinking blood. Marsilio Ficino, which was one of the one of the uh, and during the Renaissance, the revival of Neoplatonic thought, he was advocating for drinking of blood of a healthy how how Romy brought up at the beginning of a healthy 10 year old boy so there was a pope who had a stroke and they were trying to revive him to bring him back and he had three 10 year old boys that he was sucking the blood out of daily in order to rejuvenate himself because again it goes back to this idea that a certain race of people the Europeans, whoever you want to call it, the Jews, whatever. They're, everybody's pointing the finger at everybody. If you look, we did a bit of the, the research and we traced down the lineage, not trying to be uh, leaning towards any sort of type of thing, but this idea that the, the OG cannibals were the Europeans and when they came over to America, they were just projecting and making, again, it's his story for a reason. You know what I mean? They were saying that the Aztecs on the indigenous people were the original cannibals when in reality it was them all along. And I recently learned that even during slavery here in the U.S., there were slave masters who were allegedly consuming some slaves as well during the slave trade. There is the the Nat Turner uh, case where they lynched him, they killed him, they murdered him, and then they took his fat and they turned it into soap. So we well, have and this... the, the children's got to go away with fingers as keepsakes too. Yeah. So you... didn't, didn't you say one that in that movie Django Unchained, Leonardo DiCaprio did some kind of homunculus thing? I think in our podcast. No, it was was it me? It was some weird connection. I'll try to find. That it. sounds interesting though. Yeah, you should bring it up. But well, he he played a super racist guy in that movie, right? He was dropping the N word with the hard R and all that good stuff. But the the idea that they were ritualistically killing people and turning them into bars of soap. That reminds me of what the Knights Templar was doing allegedly while they were worshiping Baphomet, where they were using the fat of children in order to 
uh, burn incense and do ritualistic necromancy, dark magic, all these things. I think it's all connected and it goes back to an occult belief, whether people want to believe it or not. And I think that's why they push it so hard in the media. That's why they're making they're making the the U.S. Monet, the currency system is an alchemical system based on the sacrifice of children. And now the sacrifice of children is sacrificing the next generation, right? The next generation mm-hmm. is sacrificed to work to try to recoup that debt that this generation gave to them. So essentially, you're sacrificing your children. My chosen children are going to suffer for our choices, right? A uh, hundred years from now, fifty years from now, whatever it is. So in essence, it's an alchemical chemical uh, sacrif- uh, sacrificial system that we are participating in right now, which if you look at the roots of the monetary system that we use today, it goes back to, you know, who the Knights Templar and Baphomet. Yeah, buddy. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, man, because that, that, that made me think of like the system of inheritance that we've got in like the modern Western world, right? In older cultures, like the, the Kuru disease where the, the community would get together and eat the dead because it was a sign of respect. And they would usually keep the brains and give that to like the children. And it was sort of this notion of the children inheriting the knowledge of their ancestors, grandma and grandpa. And that leads to all these different diseases. But if you look at it in the Western world, we obviously don't have that form of cannibalism to pass things down. What we've got here is like estates and life insurance policies and property and trusts, right? But it's the same thing. It's the 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 parents and the grandparents die and the rest of the family cannibalizes the things that they leave behind. In this case, it's not the body, but it's like their body of work that they've created over, you know, this the span of life. And it literally gets cannibalized, turned into energy, in this case, current, right? It's all currency, sort of like a, a Jordan Maxwell homage. But it's the same exact thing where the old people are, you know, losing their essence and it brings on some other, you know, the young or the family devour what's left of them and then use that energy for themselves. And it continues this sort of cycle. I mean, that one's way more metaphorical than literal cannibalism. It's auto cannibalism. It's a metaphorical cannibalism because you are working yourself to death. You're are literally consuming yourself. And that's what we see in today's, that's what capitalism is, right? That's what it breeds. It breeds all these homunculi that just eat themselves and, mm-hmm. and, and they just keep trying to, right? It's, it's a rat race, literally. It's a rat race trying to go. And what happens when you put too many rats in one ecosystem? They start to eat each other. They start to develop hierarchies, one on top of the other. And it's survival of the fittest, essentially. When I was bringing up Django Unchained, what it was, was uh, comes from eugenics because he brings up the term phrenology, which where they study the human skull and uh, and into the brain. So that's what I was bringing up. uh, I got to weave on that uh, in a bit. I brought one of my darkest books up from the depths of my basement. The beginning was the end. Interesting. And I also want to point out that Dahmer Dahmer was no, he was not ignorant to anatomy, right? He was, what, dissecting animals at a very young age. He was taking things apart. And then imagine what he was doing while he was taking these people apart. He was learning of their anatomy and learning, hey, this does this. This is how you quarter a person, whatever it may be, et cetera, et cetera. But the, I, I find it fascinating that and what I think people are drawn to is that fact that they, it was occulted, right? He was doing it in the privacy of his own home. And then by them bringing out to the exoteric and bringing out all of these 
these details and dramatizing it, that's a spell on its own where they're showing oh, his man. ceremony. They're showing how he was doing these things and how he, how he was going about it. And they're bringing it out and they're putting it out in front of Hollywood. Hey, million, this is one of the Netflix's biggest shows ever. Can I show hey, my hold screen? Hold I gotta no. point out. I gotta. I gotta. Yeah, go I, got I, got I, got I got He said andromatizing. <laughs> he just said andromatizing. Okay, I just gotta point that out because I'm. That's where I'm about to go. Sorry, donut. Go ahead. Oh, I was just wondering if I could show my screen just on the topic of the bringing the cinemagic mm-hmm. uh, to the mind. How Dahmer's the second highest rated show on Netflix, which is worldwide, and Squid Games is number one. Uh, which was, what, what was Squid Games? The elite. Having uh, mm-hmm. making a show of the the peasants, right? They were cannibalizing themselves for that money, for that pig, for the for the for the for the little piggy bank, right? That come on, like, and they were putting on masks made of gold and all this stuff, and they were raping people. Come on, dude. So, and all and and the the symbols to it are cryptic masonry as well, the triangle, circle, and square that we mm-hmm. see at the old Taco Bell, right? Um, and Taco Bell is the <laughs> Bell Illuminati. <laughs> and all, all the eating stuff. I love so this is just kind, this is kind of what I got for like little presentation of like wolves, vampires eating, and all that mixed in with music, movies, all that. You got Duran Duran's "Hungry Like a Wolf." You know what I mean? Classic, <laughs> so good. Classic song, and they use it in Stranger Things, and they use it in all the '80s Black Mirror type shows. And the song is about sex right hungry like a wolf he is about it's about him wanting to have sex and this is the mixture of sex and violence now dwight in the office this is my favorite show and i'm really looking deep into it as there's all these occult stuff all throughout the show they got the 201 all throughout the show just like squid games has 201 on the symbol we see all these numbers that be popping up and that's something i'm fascinated with and he brings up howling like a wolf with the shirt because it's suggestive for sex now in the office and its connection to Dahmer is Dahmer was michael scott's nephew and at the exact same time Dahmer's being released the office michael scott released a serial killer show as well on hulu called the patient where what? he's the patient of a serial killer and then his nephew releases Dahmer Holy in the inception. show. So this is all that syncretism of everything connecting. Even Dwight talks about he has ex- doesn't have experience with vampires, but hunting werewolves <laughs> and all that. And thinking about the Wolfgang, the Wolfgang stuff. I mean, you got Wolfgang, Amadeus, Mozart, and Mozart was also part of Michael. Sc- Michael Scott was a uh, an old alchemist. Right? Why don't we did magician. that on like some? Yeah, we did a whole episode yeah, on yeah, the Patreon. Just, yeah, magician. Michael Scott he, was a necromancer, alchemist, magician. He was actually part of the church, but he wrote so so much about the subject of necromancy that they were like, "You gotta be dabbling in this stuff to know that much." He was like writing way too in depth. I'm sorry, continue because this is fascinating. Well, I mean, you got Evan Peters, and Peter is like Jupiter, but I don't know if that's real or not, but just somebody brought that mm-hmm. up to me. But he's got the tattoo in American Horror Story, where he's got the Illuminati eye, but he's got the occult will as well for all the holidays. So when we're coming up on Halloween, where it's all coming from, and 
in the beginning clip that you were showing was how he knew how to run Colts because he studied it for these parts and all that. So just society in general, America and the world, America is rated super unsafe. I mean, we got more people in prison than we do in any other place in the world. And I mean, we just see the crime, car crashes, joblessness, all, all this stuff happening, debt. And the stuff that we're talking about is a mixture of both of the hemispheres of our brain, these mythological stories of vampires, dragons, sea monsters, and all this. All cultures had the dragon on their flag and stories of the serpent. Even the dollar sign is a serpent. And this is cool. I just want to show these pictures of the manticore because it looks like a werewolf, but it's a lion. It's Elon or uh, Lionel. Even mm-hmm. Elon and stuff. I mean, these pictures are funny to look at. But you got, I just want to show a couple of the uh, Wikipedia because it reminds me of the werewolf and that. And also, yeah, one with the big old. Big I, I want to point out that he didn't have a he didn't have a manticore, and I meant to bring this up when you when you brought it up earlier. But w- when they were interviewing his neighbor. She said that he had a he had bought all this different furniture because I guess he was start, starting to set up his altar, but he had a big griffin, a statue of a griffin. It's not a manticore, but it's kind of almost sort of like a manticore. It's a griffin, and now the griffin, or griffon, or griffin, is let's see what it's a legendary creature with the body, tail, and back legs of a lion. So again, we have the lion symbolism. We have lionel, the head and the wings of an eagle. And, and you have the eagle, which is Yahweh, right? The whole thing there. And sometimes an eagle's talons that's as its front feet. Uh, because the lion was traditionally considered the king of the beast and the eagle the king of the birds. By the Middle Ages, the griffin was thought to be an especially powerful and majestic creature. Since classical antiquity, griffins were known for guarding treasures and priceless mm-hmm. possessions. Priceless yeah. possessions. And there was a an interview that I saw where he had this this box right and his dad one day went up to him and was like hey wh- what's in the box man and he got super mad he's like no i'm not gonna open the box up for you dad so they start to get into an argument and eventually he got super aggravated and super agitated and then they just left let it be turns out that in the box he had the head and the penis of one of his kills so imagine if his dad would have made him open the box you know, in Hollywood, we've seen that. What's in the bag? You know what I mean? What's in the bag? Show me what's in the bag. And it's like uh, we have the Sumerians with the little bag too, right? So his dad could have potentially caught him way earlier than they did. Uh, and they I think so. Him. I mean, he was super honest, man. Like on the, I mean, at least from the accounts from the show. But I caught a picture of a griffin right yeah. here. Uh, but that's that. That is fascinating. So the griffin is a chimera. The the griffin is a is a dna hybrid and right now in the collective we are dealing with the graphene oxide the griffin mm. and the graphene oxide in the that the one picture you showed there homie the lion's tail is tucked uh it's in uh, in occult circles the crossed legs or the tucking of the tail it implies um that it's a castrated animal ox 
An ox is a castrated bull. This is a castrated bull. This guy's castrated. Look at him. And it's oh, related to the he's sphinx. Full, he's fully intact, isn't he? It's related to the sphinx, he's too, right? He's got multiple tactics. With the masons, what? where the sphinx stands in the front. Look at look, watch Paranormal American Leaf. Where the, where the sphinx stands stand in front of the, of the temple to guard the knowledge, right? And Lionsgate film, too. I mean, all the movies with lions. Yeah. A Lion King. So, um, there's this other creature too that I want to bring up, <laughs> the 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 puka. But continue, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. Talk about the puka, bro. The puka <laughs> is a rabbit, right? Philly rabbit. It's a a rabbit that's six foot tall in Ireland that scares people. And there's connection cool. with UFOs and uh, aliens and rabbits in the movie. Eric Torres, the extra testicle by Steven Spielberg, E.T., before the UFO lands, they show a rabbit. And the first person to be abducted by a UFO is Bugs Bunny, the rabbit from Marvin the Martian, uh, where you got Looney Tunes and Lunatic and the werewolf comes out from the Luna, the lunar cycle. And then you got looney tunes and then i'm thinking about today's time people don't watch cartoons they watch tiktok luna tiktok right and you got tiktoks and teenagers getting ticks from watching this what epilepsy really can you go back a picture okay so that's a polka dotted pillow that's lunades in spanish lunades those are like little moons is polka dotted in that is oh. uh, MK Ultra programming. It goes back to Minnie Mouse, always wearing the polka dots. And it also goes back to the spotted woman who is the one who pinched Sirhan Sirhan on the neck to activate him, to make him think he's at the shooting range. So he goes popping a few caps. She's the spotted woman. It's all MK Ultra signaling. And Sirhan Sirhan reminds me of Duran Duran, too, kind of. Oh, yeah. Know. Good call. Right. Great call. So sounds- the pinch... The pinch on the neck to activate, that's what happens to C-3PO. Pinch on the neck, whoop, pinch on the neck. That's comes fascinating. Golem, where he erases the, the, the Amet, it's Met, and then he puts it back on, Amet, so the, 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 the Phoenix. So there's a show called The Good Place, which is all about The Good Place is Hell and Heaven, and it has 322 all over because someone from Skull and Bones created the show. And there's a robot angel. And if you look into what angels are, they're like robots in a sense. If you look at it through the Torah, they just do stuff like not like a human. Um, they're, they're in the algorithm. And how you turn them off is by the neck, too. So I, that's wow. fascinating. So eating, devouring, cannibalism, Dahmer and violence, sex and violence. When Trump came into office, the first thing he did is met with Chi, and nobody's ever done this, got to get this close with Chi at a certain area. Wherever they ate this at, it was a very special moment. And they were eating delicious chocolate cake. So Trump's devouring the cake and eating it, and then he whispers to Chi, yo, I just bombed your allies, and he just bombed. So we got a mixture of cannibalism, eating, killing and all this and then we got mm. the show blood and honey this is being promoted heavily uh, a b film <laughs> being promoted heavily 
Well, Winnie the Pooh is Chi Chang Pang. Chi Chang Pang banned Winnie the Pooh because of the memes, going back to the mematic warfare and the word where memes come from, where I'm going to have to watch this again so I can see what Paranoid American was saying about the memes. But Winnie the Pooh is Chi. And I believe that this whole war stuff going on is leading to Chi versus America, right? The, the West versus the East. And it's blood and honey food and blood and all stuff that we're talking about. And we see like Warren Buffett always eating. There's this oral sensory of eating, devouring zombies. Why are zombies pushed so heavily? The Squid Game's number one show even shows the food. This is the the famous scene where in my sense, I mean, I think it looks sexual in my opinion. You know, Mm -hmm. I think it looks like he's eating something else yeah then uh so you got this mixture of all of this Dahmer, squid games all the movies coming out Dahmer going to the club psycho alfred hitchcock genius right fantastic filmmaker he made all these movies that weren't box office hits His real film- quick i want to inject this scene in particular the shower scene is actually based on an earlier movie called the seventh victim um, that was written by a guy that went and met an actual group of Satanists in Greenwich Village in the 1930s or 40s. Uh, but anyways, this scene in particular uh, was actually based on that, that Seventh Victim movie. So that's, wow. thank you for adding that in. I mean, I mean, this scene right here, they're using chocolate for the blood. So, I mean, I could just add that in there with the food, right? But this, uh, uh, what, this was thing. the, this was the no- thing. Really, I want to hear a little bit about Amazing that. But the only thing, yeah, yeah. The only thing was is that um, this was his number one hit. This it had sex and violence. This was sexy. I mean, back then you did not see this kind of stuff and film some naked chick showering. You did not and, see Nazi. Nazi, yeah. <laughs> uh, so what's the blood and chocolate? I'd like to know that because I know ghosts are attracted to chocolate. Um, there, so like in, and for, uh, there, for clinical vampirism, there was a, I was looking, I was fascinated with all these old recipes for these random diseases. And one of them was mixing exotic cacao in with blood to help with, you know, I think it was, I can't remember, but. I just I just re- recognize that, and then the the blood and the honey too. You know, soaking that um, there'd be royal mm-hmm. uh, women in antiquity. They Elizabeth. would soak their bodies in milk. Yeah, milk, honey, and blood. Like those are three things that keep the skin just pure and young and blood forever. Just, and the, the blood of the youth. Blood. So, and also we have yes. the chocolate connection with Dahmer and the chocolate factory, which was named Ambrosia. Oh. And what is ambrosia? Ambrosia is literally yeah. the food of the gods, food the nectar of the, of the gods. gods. And when you look up ambrosia, there's an ambrosia beetle. And uh, the ambrosia beetle is actually one of the few beetles to produce its own food, which uh, scientists say it's literally almost miraculous that this insect is able to produce its own food. And that links to me, that, that I link that to the Ouroboros, right? The Ouroboros is the self-sustaining forever going you know the 69 mac daddy where he's going and going and going is he regurgitating himself back up or is he eating himself back up what what is he doing 69 mac 
Mac Daddy. The 69 <laughs> Mac Daddy. He is the one that is always going, you know what I mean? So we have that chocolate connection. We have chocolate, uh, Charlie and the, and the Willy, Won- Willy Wonka, WW, right? We have the, the, uh, that connection there where I, Jeffrey Dahmer was looking for somebody, right? He's always talking about how people would always leave him maybe because he was a, a freaking weirdo, but people would always leave him. So by him chopping people up and keeping them uh, by him, it was his, his whole thing at the beginning where I played where he wanted to have full control over people. He wanted to have them a hundred percent. Maybe there was an occultic aspect where if he had the soul, he had somebody forever. There was also, uh, I, I think I read it that Thomas brought it up where he believed that the, 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 if he had the skull, uh, he had the death wouldn't go to waste, right? Uh, so we have this. Yeah, that was a direct quote from the Dahmer. Basically, said that he had all these dead bodies that he kept having to like burn or bury, and it felt like such a waste. <laughs> he wanted to find a way to what be more productive with it, and that was basically thinking like, "Well, I'm going to start incorporating them into me, so that instead of them just." dying and being forgotten mm-hmm. out somewhere in like a landfill like i actually you know i get to carry their essence throughout my life so they get to live on through me so he's looking for an heir he is wanting he's the platonic sage he is the 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 celibate alchemist right where he's looking for an heir what what, what was willy wonka doing in the chocolate factory he was looking for an heir to take over. I got the golden ticket. Right? The golden ticket, the chocolate I've factory. I got the golden twist. These kids are going missing, oh you know. We have the snow piercer connection where they they again the they're feeding people churned up bugs. They're talking in, in mainstream media eat the 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 bugs, eat the 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 what is it the cicadas whatever they're called eat the cicadas or the, that one loud bug it's like they're pushing this stuff on people and we see all these connections again it sprouts with one thing you would think that Dahmer is overplayed after what over 20 documentaries and specials i think it's over 100 now you would think he would be overplayed but no they always come back and they cannibalize these shows uh metaphysically to make a new show you know, they just came out with a movie not too long ago. Well, let's make a docuseries. And now they came up with the tapes of Dahmer. So they're cannibalizing these shows and regurgitating them back over and over again. Again, it's the, the Ouroboros, which is a uh, an esoteric and occulted symbol that goes back way, way back. Yeah, and also the, the sun goes in an Ouroboros in the sky. It just does this Ouroboros pattern, and the sun is also like, thinking about lions and all that you got the lion's gate portal for astrology and the eclipses and the, you got john wayne gacy and Dahmer going through something on the solar eclipse so chocolate is an anagram for locate you they can locate you interesting sounds like pikachu <laughs> uh-huh. and i bet you there's a pikachu stuff where he's eating chocolate i know there's some movie where he loves chocolate. I don't know if it was Sonic the Hedgehog or Pikachu. Well, Mewtwo is a homunculus. He was made in, in, in a laboratory and he had mm-hmm. crazy powers. And shout I'm out tra- to Mewtwo. Shout out to Mewtwo. I'm looking here. I'm going to pull up this. It, it is from a... from. He is describing... Let's see here. He is describing how he would take apart people and he's talking about how... Right here. So... I asked him what his fascination with the movie. Oh, this is talking about The Exorcist, to which he stated he was unsure, but he knows that he felt a tremendous amount of guilt because of his actions. He stated that he felt evil and thoroughly corrupted body and soul because of the horrible crimes he had committed against people. What the heck? Okay. Go ahead. 
uh, I really want to pick up right here with a sh- with the screen share because we've got Dahmer next to Squid Games. We're talking about exorcism. This is like setting everything I want to I want to in, into this eclipse spell. Can I take the wheel on the on the screen share? Jesus, take the wheel. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. So we got Dahmer, tortured, yeah. tortured soul. He's the torture. He's the vulture torturing people. Um, we've got the Squid Games is is right next to him. You know, is above him. Um, and we've got exorcism. This is all. These are all signs that I was picking up before we had this conversation. I did not know these things, and they're all leaning heavily on on what I wanted to bring on. Uh, so we have to start with, I think, <clears throat> the symbol X is the mutable cross. It is the cross of St. Andrews. It's the hand-drawn cross. And if you're an artist, you know that you have to start your page, your, uh, your four corners. You start your art with the X, the mutable X, so you can find the, uh, the forbidden fruit in the center of your garden, which is perspective. This grants you access to perspective, the mutable X. So this is the Saltaire cross, St. Andrew's cross. That's S-A-C, sac red. This is the sac red cross, Ooh, S-A-C. That Eucharist cross. Yep. And it's also called the stirrup. Now, here's a very important disclaimer, folks. I am not telling you that X's always mean the devil. I'm not telling you that X's are evil. I'm telling you that they are encoding very valuable um, signs and symbols that we should be pretty affluent in. And we should be able to disambiguate when they're being nefarious, dark, uh, profane with it, and how they're using it to cover up what is profound and, and actually sacred. So the mutable X is an astronomer's uh, symbol. It just means that um, it, you're, things are about to change. You're about to cross a threshold. You're crossing uh, into another phase. So this is also called the Duke. Uh, it means 10. It also means 10. So I just wanted to put this into the people's minds because it both, it is sacred and profane. It uh, is the torturous uh, stirrup. Uh, that people use for bondage and sadomasochism. Mm. So when you sign on the X, you are bound into the contract. And this is the coat of arms of the Holy See. This is the Unum Sanctum. That's the U.S. You notice there's no A. They took the A off of the USA. And now we are bound to the Unum Sanctum. And so that's a very important symbol uh, because St. Andrew's cross is, uh, well, that's an interesting point right there, but that's not where I wanted to go. (laughs) Here we go. This is where we are when they launched the Jeffrey Dahmer spell. This is this. uh, You can see my mouse, right, guys? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So we just descended. See the zero markation? We just dropped under the equator line, the sun, in our, in our solar placement. So meanwhile, as we descend, like the scales of justice of Libra, right? As we drop down, the lunar stage uh, becomes illuminating the station of Aries. And in the sign of Aries, there are some very important uh, constellations, so in our 
while we're asleep or in the theater, in the darkness, the subconscious psychodrama of the heavens is playing out right now while we're consuming Jeffrey Dahmer uh, information up in the sky above us, all of the same things are actually happening every night. And that is the uh, rescuing of Andromeda. Andromeda is chained. You see her here. She's chained between two pillars. You see that? Interesting. Mm -hmm. You see Andromeda? Here, maybe I'll zoom in. There we go. Is that, you see that? Mm Mm-hmm. So this is Andromeda. She's chained under the sign of Ares, and she's an offering to a sea monster. Her parents uh, left her to be eaten. Um, so it is also the story of Samson, where he is uh, standing between two pillars, and he collapses the temple. Notice, if you look closely, the artist even put a, the mutable X. Do you see the mutable X down here on the ground? Yeah. Yep. Floorboards. So the mutable X is uh, intrinsic to this crossing point. We are crossed the equator when they launched the Jeffrey Dahmer storyline. So in the heavens, there is a captive, a hostage, somebody who is being tortured and chained uh, for uh, some sort of sacrifice to a monster. Well, guess what? Prometheus. Prometheus is the same story. He's chained on the rocks every day. This this animal descends down and eats out his cleansing organ. His liver. His cleansing organ. And then uh, it grows back overnight in the process. Wash, rinse, repeat. So Prometheus and the torturing of the vulture is happening in the sky. And just off the heel of Andromeda, you can see how impeccable it is. Do you see Medusa? Her head is on the foot of Andromeda. Well, just off the heel of Jeffrey Dahmer's torture drama is the Squid Games. It's torture porn. Down here is the Medusa. This is the Starbucks logo. It's a, not a mermaid. They, they'll tell you it's not a mermaid. It's Medusa. It's a siren. She is uh, the Gorgon. This, again, is the Gorgon. So the Squid Games, right next to Jeffrey Dahmer, it's all a perfect correspondence with the, uh, with the Cosmodrama of the Heavens. So this X is super sacred. This is tax day. As we climb up, this is the day that you are AT the X. You're at the X, so you pay the T-A-X. And as it descends, comes around through the months, we come into August, and it is dropping back down on the same location. Guess what they call this holiday? This is the Volturn. This is the vulture is descending back down onto Prometheus where he is stationed, chained forever, locked. Now, what is the shape of chains? The shape of chains is figure eights. Mm -hmm. He's bound in place right here. And the vulture is descending down to eat him over and over for infinity. Forever and ever. It's it's funny you brought up Samson real quick, Gabe, because Samson... There's a and a shout out to one of Donuts listeners. He posted the comment where the spirit of the Lord comes upon him and he tears the lion apart with his bare hands. Sometime later, Samson returns to Timna to take the Philistine woman in marriage. On the way, he passes the spot where he had killed the lion and finds that a swarm of bees have created a hive 
inside the carcass. And this has to do with the homunculus. So it's funny that it, you related it to Samson because I think 100% they're literally trying to create some homunculus baby. And it's been proven that the topic of homunculus is 3.92 clicks away from any major topic. And that's a statistic. It's uh, six degrees of separation. I promise you, I can show you the article. It literally relates to a <laughs> lot of done the math. We've Someone done, has done the math. We have done the math, and it's 3.92 clicks away while surfing on Wikipedia. We keep the idea. So yeah, awesome. I love, love it. It's so, like a scratch ticket, man. I think the odds are one in uh, 3.72 for a scratch ticket. So that's, that's pretty good, man. I love me some. I love. I love gambling, man. I think I have a problem. So, so this one is. Uh, this is the lunar eclipse, which is a partial. Uh, it's, I think the solar eclipse is a different date. But one thing about the lunar eclipse that's kind of fun is it makes the site the shape of a sickle or a scythe. So, in a way, it is encoding that Virgo harvest aspect that it's cutting away the offering. It's going, to, it's going to sweep in and take up the, what is offered. In the path of this eclipse is very alarming to me because it rips right over the Nord Stream pipeline where uh, Samson, the saboteur, uh, destroys the two pillars. Well, there's a Nord Stream 1 and a Nord Stream 2. There's two pillars. And the word Nord Stream is a palindrome. Palindrome as in paladin, like a horse, right? Well, the palindrome, Nord Stream becomes the male strum. And from the maelstrom comes the monster jellyfish or the monster uh, squid game or the monster (laughs) Cthulhu. Thank you. Yes. Yes. So right here is where Nord Stream is. It's where they made that cut. It's where the eclipse is going to cut through and collect the offering, the drama offering of the cosmodrama. And just over here is where Julian Assange, much like Prometheus, was chained up in the... uh, in the embassy of Ecuador and uh, Germany is under a lot of pressure. They're going to have to save their own ass uh, <laughs> like Prometheus here or pro- like uh, Perseus. But this guy is the, this is the philosophical advisor to Putin in his name. I can't really make it out very well because my I graphics are cheap, uh, but his name is the Dogon, uh, a Dugan. That's Alexander Dugan. Dugan. Yep. So Perseus begot Samson, begot Alexander. And Samson collapsed the temple of the Dugan, temple of the Dogon. Let's see. And let's, Here. let's not forget that there's also a UFO connection with Dahmer where his mom was seeing the UFO, right? And, and her, the dad was calling her crazy, like, you're just crazy. You're just a crazy person. So there is that UFO connection there. Yes. So... Uh, it was in the Temple of Dagon, and it was in Judges 16.2. We are in Libra. There's your Judges. 16 is the tower. Two of them. Two towers, and your trademark 33 left over. So we've got Twin Towers. We've got Judges. We've got Libra. We've got Samson. We've got Alexander. We've got the Dogon. Uh, and we've got the Promise Software that has everything to do with... Uh, the octagon, or no, the octopus of control. And the octopus is a cephalopod that is a headwalker. They are mind readers. They found a program 
that can predict your decisions way before you are even offered a decision. Mm-hmm. And it's called the, the Enneagram. And they have weaponized it. This Back is the octopus. to the beginning. With the this is the wars. octopus. Yeah, octopus of control. And it's going to come in the back door. It's going to come in your back door and read your mind. But I just got to point out, his name is Alexander Jellyfish. Look at that. His <laughs> name is Jellyfish. He's got the squid games yeah. too. He's the, it's all Merovingian uh, signaling, as far as I can tell. So I thought I'd drop all of that in there because it's all. Uh, now, wow. do you know when uh, the uh, Enneagram, because I know quite a bit about that, um, was Enneagram brought to uh, light because it's uh, a very more advanced version of Meyer Briggs of personality types. And yeah, buddy. I know it was very ancient. Um, but do you know when that started being put out? Um, the well, history of that? Yeah, well, I think it, I have reason to believe that this is the key. These are the keys. The Enneagram are the keys to mind control. And I think it goes all the way back to Alexander the Great. And the story of him cutting the Gordian's knot and all the people accepting him for fulfilling the prophecy, I think that uh, that is encoding the fact that he had mastered the Enneagram. Also, Perseus. Uh, collect uh, slaying Medusa and having the Gorgon's head. Um, nine in Hebrew means serpent. So for him to master the serpent and command the serpent and hold it up um, is uh, saying that he has uh, control of the Enneagram, the nine. Right. And we were bringing up engrams in the beginning. And I always wondered if there was a connection. And then you got Plato, Plato. Platinus, I have messing up, but he's got the the engram, uh, whatever, but it's seven, so it's kind of confusing. Real quick, before, don't mean to cut you off, Romy's got to go. Plug your stuff real quick, Romy, before you head out, bro, for the people. Thanks, man. Uh, It was a true pleasure, boys. Uh, I got to go do some RFTA. Hey, yeah, this went deep. Uh, This was amazing. Uh, (laughs) You guys are awesome. Keep rocking it. Uh, Homie Romy out, Rising from the Ashes podcast. Check us out wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, doing slow burns on Sundays, which is just a fun live stream where anybody can pop in and say whatever and say what's good. And uh, and that's it. Thank you guys so much. Look forward to seeing you on the other side. Later, Romy. <laughs> much love, Romy. Whew, man. So, so the Enneagram system, if people don't know what that is, very, very fascinating um, how there's nine different personality types and everybody has one of these personality types and it's super on point and everybody has a wing. So there's like, I mean, it's, it's very, very sophisticated Myers-Briggs that's even ancient. So when you connecting that, I wonder if Medusa had the nine snakes um, or, or whatever. That, yeah, you buddy. Know. And, and yeah. speaking about that, that the X mark, um, I don't need to show my screen, but I can if you want. But if you look at the Stranger Things, um, okay, you are showing that. Okay, so if you look at the Stranger Things logo, it is that X for season four. You got the four different corners in northeast, southwest, four different corners of news, even the new Hocus Pocus. Hold on. Wait one second. Will you go back? I, I want to clarify. It's actually, it's the individual is solo at the bottom. In the groupings, make three walls. So we've got the fourth wall rule, but that is the Enneagram. I want to just confirm what you're saying because those three groups at the top, 
That's how you break the Enneagram down. It's got the 369 code in there. So there's three above, three on the left, and three on the right. It, it has trines. And so you are so spot on to say that this Stranger Things is encoding the Enneagram. Uh, I just wanted to make it even more spot on. Uh, wow, I got to look at this whole thing uh, again, because I've <laughs> been studying Enneagram for over seven years now. And it, I mean, it's so complex. The The more you research it, the more you're like, I don't know anything about it. But so, yeah, yeah, I never noticed that. Uh, the solo at the bottom. and Right. So, so he would be the, the, the centerpiece of the Enneagram, and those others would be the three trines, right? I just want to point out, so Myers-Briggs was, uh, has a, a lineage that goes through Carl Jung. Carl Jung was brought in by Alan Dulles to advise him on the psychology of, the, uh, of uh, Adolf Hitler's uh, homies. He was a spy f- uh, spying on the Nazis, yes. That's right, and he got an agent number, agent uh, 488, I think. Either that or 448 was his agent number. So the Myers-Briggs test that they do to psychologically evaluate you for a job, that is a lineage that goes through Carl Jung. And I think we are really hot on the trail of something important because the Enneagram, I think, has been weaponized and turned against the masses. Right. But it could be used for the benefit. I mean, a lot of recovery places utilize this in uh, helping people and therapy and all that, too. So uh, you're absolutely right with the tentacle. I mean, this is just mind boggling right now that it's just I'm going down a rabbit hole. But with that four corners, you got Hocus Pocus that also came out about them returning to Salem. And it looks like there's four different corners in this imagery, just like we saw Buddy Holly, his last concert. You can see the four corners with the one in the middle and this is the day that music died this was the last concert when he was sacrificed right before that the day that music died and x marks the spot that whole x thing x is 10 in gematria and um x is also elon musk is known as x uh x the 24th letter which would be omega the 24th letter and all that what is what is that and that's all i wanted to show uh, yeah, that's the Wheel of Fortune card too, which mm-hmm. isn't coming through very well. But also, yeah, Wheel of there. Fortune is that like the occult will? Of the yeah, whole? exactly. Yep. And it it is. Uh, I station it uh, right right in that uh, bridge from Virgo into Libra, so it is also in play with this time of year that they launched the Dahmer thing. And I think that arc of hysteria. Yeah, we're gonna always has some sort of bandsaw or wheel in the background so we want to tie in and we'll start wrapping it up on this because this can go i mean as you've as you seen we can go we've got like eight hours worth of discussion but this this is really going to tie everything in and obviously x is 10 to the pythagoreans 10 was god it was the perfect the all divine etc etc but we're going to link this into some very powerful figures take it away thomas so this is something that I found today, like like in preparation. I just decided to do a little bit more digging on this lady. So if you don't know who this lady is, I might be uh, butchering butchering her uh, name here, uh, Louise Bourgeois. I'm gonna say. And if um, one of the more famous versions of this photo is this one right here, and this is what they call Arc of Hysteria, and this was essentially based on um this these older medieval sort of drawings here's one of the many examples 
And it's essentially when uh, a woman became hysteric, if they thought she was possessed, um, a, a number of different ailments, but it would tend to always end in these really weird poses. So anyways, um, Louise Bourgeois, she creates this particular art sculpture that has this, you know, this arc to it. That's this is one version that you see with the bands on the background. And then the other one that's a little bit more famous is this one. It's essentially the same pose. And the reason why this one is a little bit more famous, especially recently, is um, Tony Podesta was pictured with this. He actually owned it. There was some kind of record you could see that he had bought it and perhaps sold it, you know, years later. And this kind of got a little bit popular around, I think, 2018 or 2020. And if you go and you start doing research on um, Luis uh, Bourgeois and Tony Podesta and this this uh, arc of hysteria, it's all just disproving hoax, debunking articles. And it's basically saying there's no way that, you know, this sculpture has anything at all to do with Dahmer. Um, it has nothing to do with, like, murder. It's all based on these older medieval drawings, um, arc of hysteria, right? This that's the 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 kind of like common debunk hoax claim. There's that bandsaw, right? We can relate that to Hecate too, right, Gabe? The 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 two, yeah, axes. Yeah, and so, also uh, Hecate we tied into suffocate. The word suffocate is to oh, know Hecate, the wisdom of Hecate. So strangulation. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. That's crazy. <laughs> which means which means the whole mask ritual with suffocating your kids for two years and making them watch Dahmer to Hakate. Making them watch Dahmer right after, like, hey, here, just watch this thing about eating your friends. <laughs> so so we got we got um Louise Bourgeois. We understand that she made this sculpture. There's a little bit of debate, hoax, uh debunking whether or not this had anything at all to do with Dahmer. Well, I found this in a in a report that someone had written about fantasies of cannibalism in the art of louise bourgeois and they actually have a direct quote from her she does not say the word cannibalism directly uh, even though that's kind of within the context of this they actually this is a really good quote here Rene gerard says cannibalism has not yet found its freud um so there's this concept <laughs> of that like the taboo that had to do with sex kind of got unleashed and dissected in the public sphere through freud but the taboo about cannibalism has not yet hit that pentacle yet but i mean with all like like we were saying like the normalization and the Dahmer shows we might be on that trajectory where there might be a freud coming soon that's like well actually cannibalism might be good for these reasons you know you'll you'll see the the vox article but the quote that we've got directly (laughs) from louise bourgeois here she says that artists have access to the unconscious and are fearless and it takes a kind of fearlessness in your art making to cut up your parents in little pieces and put them down the drain. And this is one of the quotes from her. So, okay, we don't have a direct correlation between um, Louise's artwork and cannibalism and Dahmer. That was one little tangent. So right before we started doing the, the meetup here, I was like, you know, I usually when I'm doing a deep dive, I don't just look at the person. I look to see who they're married with, their kids, Did their kids do anything notable, Did their parents do anything notable. So I go and I, I decided to look in to see who she was married to. Well, she's married to this guy named Robert Goldwater. See, there she is right there, spouse Louise Bourgeois. This is the exact same lady. Robert Goldwater didn't necessarily have uh, a lot of kind of like claim to his name, although what he did do is that he was um, basically assigned the director of Metropolitan Museum's Department of Primitive Art. 
and uh, or a little bit earlier on, the the Modern Museum of Art came up, this is the same one that we're talking about here, and in particular, he oversaw this uh, Department of Printed Art, and if you notice uh, right here, the after he died, Goldwater he basically had a department within this mezzanine level dedicated to him. And that mezzanine level is actually named after Michael C. Rockefeller. And I don't know if any of you guys have ever heard about the Rockefeller that got eaten by cannibals. This Can is one of the same. A, a back a slide. Was that saying about that? I saw someone missing a Rockefeller missing. That's it right here. So essentially yep. he gets put in charge of this primitive New Guinea um, department that had to do with you know tribal sort of uh, artifacts well michael c rockefeller goes missing they decide to dedicate that wing in the name in the honor of michael c rockefeller who who uh the rumor was that he got eaten in papua new guinea and that they found years later they were like passing around like his glasses and his shirt kind of like bartering it amongst the community so it was sort of assumed but never proven that he got eaten by cannibals because he wanted to go and film a documentary amongst the cannibals you know like the, the white man making a movie amongst the natives well he just never came back from that and it was assumed he got cannibalized so the the connection here was a direct of the the wife of or uh, the husband of louise bourgeois she oversees this entire wing that is dedicated to the cannibalism of Michael C. Rockefeller. That's her husband. So she not only was she aware and deeply involved with the concept of cannibalism, um, that she also is directly related to this Michael C. Rockefeller scandal was like mind blowing to me. But the the basically like the bow that I want to tie on top of this is that you see the the anti hoax articles and it basically says. Oh, there's no way, you know, Podesta owned this sculpture because of the Dahmer connection. A, because the lady didn't know about Dahmer. Well, that's not necessarily true. The sculpture, I believe she made in 93 when all of the information about Dahmer came out around 92. So there was a year in there. Now, if you want to say that it was specifically based on older sketches from the Middle Ages about this particular arc of hysteria, my number one go-to is like, just like we were talking about werewolves and vampires and adrenochrome, we're not talking about just like the one werewolf story and that everything has to tie that werewolf story. We're talking about archetypes and things that people observe in patterns over many, many periods of time. So maybe in this case, it's possession or it's just, you know, uh, straight up a medical condition that the, she's going through. She's having a seizure here. However, yeah, the archetype like of that. I Go ahead. Like the exorcist, the exorcist that Dahmer was watching, how the yeah. exactly, exactly, and and what I'm saying here is that there's an archetype that's being described, and it's that archetype which attracted Podesta to this, um, this pose. It's that archetype which attracted Dahmer to posing his victims in this same way, because there might be some much deeper level. Like I don't, I personally don't think that Dahmer saw the exact same reference material that Louise saw and that they were both basing it on, you know, these medieval drawings. I think that there's something that maybe Dahmer observed in those final moments of thrashing before the life goes away where it's like, wow, I noticed that like after these 17 people I've killed, they always tend to go in this, you know, specific body uh, posture and going back to what Juan was saying, that's kind of a lot of the allures that we don't know what happened in like this esoteric chamber that uh he made we know about the after effects we know about the tiny little amounts 
that we got through his interviews. But I guess that's kind of what I'm pushing for is that Dahmer saw this firsthand and Tony Podesta and Luis, they understand the same archetype. And for whatever reason, they were all attracted to this particular pose because of how it comes about. And it might trigger something much deeper than, you know, an artist just having inspiration. Right. And like when people pass away or any animal, even when they're gone, their muscles still flinch and whatnot. Very interesting. You know, uh, I wasn't going to. Oh, nice. Yeah. Perfect lead in. Yeah. Go, uh, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll wait till this is done. Here again. Well, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm done uh, going with my whole rant there. Okay. We Where'd have... you get this one? This is on a Masonic site, actually. I picked it up. I got it from, from Thomas. He sent me the link. The lion, ox, eagle, and the man. We have Exactly. We have all these factors, work. and then we have this you know, brain homunculus or something. What was Dahmer doing? He was drilling into people's heads. We have the two pillars. You have all that good stuff, and then we have the arguably. Oh, wow, dude. That's crazy. The <laughs> hysteria, which I believe, right? So there's, there's uh, J. Augusta Snap was the one that, that – painted this this picture but what i what i think Dahmer was doing in my personal opinion because they say that a person when they assume that position you think about yoga right what is the bridge position uh, symbolize what well, also symbolizes bridging essentially realities together what i think was happening was Dahmer was maybe trying to do some some Lovecraftian stuff where he was trying to bring in forth either an energy or an entity within this realm and maybe creating portals. That's like a way out there assumption. But again, like how Thomas just finished saying, we can't, we don't know. Right. So I think maybe these people saw something so horrible that they were made to take that position. Cause again, it happens when people are being possessed or maybe he was using their bodies as a vessel for some sort of entity, and they assume that position, right? They they got all contorted in all these movies and hereditary and all these movies we see when these people get taken over by entities where they contort in all these weird positions. Well, what if Dahmer was offering these people up as offerings to a Cthulhu or to whatever god or a Baphomet or something like that at the end of the day that made these people turn and twist and contort into these positions because they were being literally taken over and penetrated perhaps by an entity you know what i mean like something was penetrating their soul their body etc etc and i think that homeboy was getting off on that I, that that's my outlandish idea that Dahmer was doing some portal magic necromancy necrophilia just the taboos of the taboos of the taboos and uh, I was kidding on the phone with Thomas earlier, but the seventh, chi- the seventh child, uh, the seventh child is the more the most magical one, right? The seventh child of a seventh child is the more. So we have all these magical systems that, again, uh, he was killing people over and over again. So who knows if he was offering these things up to another higher power? Who you know, you know what I mean? He, it, it's I think it's related to. Uh, you see this painting here where this this sage is. Uh, what looks like a port he's opening up something with this person in it who who knows is this the uh the celestial homunculi right we have at the end of the 2001 space odyssey where he becomes what a little baby a, a little homunculus in a, in a little egg what was crowley all about the egg what was john d all about the celestial egg right it goes all back to the egg and i you think know- it was yeah. had to do with all this. That's my. He kind of looks like Nicolas Cage, but that is my very. <laughs> he, oh my! He does. 
Wait, and I've I've got the other version of this image pulled up too. If you want to show it, the, there you go. One that you found, the Rosicrucian. Yeah, yep, there you go. So we have these different positions. This is a Rosicrucian flyer. We have these different positions that signify, you know, they they symbolize uh, eras, aeons, whatever you want to call it. But we see it here pictured again by the perfect form, which is man. That's the whole thing with Da Vinci and the Vitruvian man. Where was the perfect? And if, and if you see this natural progression here, it's not obvious that basically, as a baby, um, all of your senses are pointed inward. You're more concerned about like the material world, what's happening to me, what's happening in my sphere, literally. Then you kind of become straight consciousness, regular man. And then if you kind of ascend and become a little bit more, you know, enlightened, essentially, this final stage is now you're kind of back into that same world as you were in a baby. But it's it's you looking at the outward. It's you observing the universe as opposed to you observing like what's in your local sphere. Mm -hmm. So this is literally like focused on within modern modern um, stage and then focused on without. Yeah. So we also have the three moire, the three fates, the three magi. And these are the ingredients to the enneagram as well. We have yeah, atropos. Yep, atropos is stuck in the past. That's your feeling. Uh, and then you have um, Clotho, that is the future. She's the young of the three fates. She's the youngest. She's weaving, uh, getting ready, uh, always nimble. And then you have Lachesis, and that's the present moment. Uh, so there's the three fates, which are also encoding the three wise men from the and from the birth of the, the Jesus homunculus. The Enneagram is also the three different body types of the heart type, the belly type, and the head type. Right, right. So uh, in, a, in a wild way, this, this profane is also preserving the profound. And like the, the more grotesque it is, the more it is ensured to be passed on. If it was just something like, you know, beautiful and helpful like the Enneagram, it's not going to have that staying power in the mythos of the collective. Also, I think uh, because of the fingers touching the toes, I just want to point this out. There's been a revolution in the math communities going from uh, pi and now using tau. And that's been ongoing. I don't know how long. That's a whole other uh, thing. But uh, the, the fingers represent the digits, represent the numbers in the sacred math. Uh, the moon cycles are encoded in the hands. So all things mathematical and ma'at are in the hands. Um, and then the toes are the tau, the taus, like the that the arch of hysteria was at the feet of that hierophant character. They were at the toes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a bit of a revolution in the in the math circles uh, is also intrinsic to that. The Pythagorean circles, if you are the mathematicians, the math Jedi is what I call them. Wow, this is this is really crazy. I think we've uh, deocculted. We have. Again, this goes deep. We can go in many different directions, right, as, as we wind down here. But essentially, uh, you know, this is why we have to pay attention. Uh, you know, I think Gabe really painted a, a beautiful picture where he's talking about that there is a celestial war going on. And what was J.P. Morgan's 
a quote that the billionaire, what is it? Millionaires don't use astrology. Billionaires do. Have you ever, ever said that? So we have to take into consideration that there are bigger parts of this pie, if you will, this magical, esoteric, occulted pie. And at the same time, it's all about the macrocosm and, and the, the, the microcosm and macrocosm because they are essentially playing real life chess with various pieces. It takes an entire board right the the black and white board and the whole thing with with the was it the the glass bead game where you play chess and it affects reality in real time you have the enochian the golden dawn chess where it's supposed to again affect reality in real time so these people are literally using cinema sigils all these things shows like these and they're putting it at the forefront these are their chess pieces just coming out all at once and people are paying attention and they're being captivated they're being put under the spell data and attention is a hot commodity nowadays they want to take it they want to steal it from you and it again it goes back to some sort of possession where these uh, movies and all these things and these this normalization right maybe thomas will be at the forefront of cannibalism as a legit science and maybe he brings the great awakening for people to wake up to can- who knows right anything is possible the, the cannibalism has <laughs> been waiting for yeah he's like yeah, you just want to eat your dad you know do whatever with your mom right so some i'd rather be like the jack herrera of cannibalism like find <laughs> out a way to like just dab adrenochrome straight yeah so this was great guys you guys want to plug your stuff? Always. Anybody have any closing thoughts you wanna wanna plug in? Any any projects you wanna plug? The the floor is yours to plug away. I'm just really grateful to be here with all y'all and uh, Romy homie. Shout out and just thank you. I learned so much and I knew I was gonna go away. I took I took some notes, so like I gotta search all these things that you guys were bringing up. Very fantastic. I'm really grateful for this opportunity. Thank you, Juan. Awesome. Gabe? Yeah. Same, man. This was a real good time. Uh, it was it was quite a joy to partake of the dismemberment of this grand sea monster in the sub-unconscious of humanity. You know, and I want to encourage everybody to you know, get into those self-help systems. You know, the Enneagram is a gem and a half. Uh, I know there's a lot of systems out there, but the more I look at this thing, the more I realize I think it's a keystone. It's a holy grail. It is, uh, it's very helpful to know yourself. That's, that's how you get into the temple. You're not allowed in the temple unless you know thyself. So the Enneagram is very helpful. And we know that Carl Jung and his entire philosophy is uh, very much in play in that CIA 1947 special year. It's when the Nagamati texts came out, you know. So study your young, study your Enneagram, know thyself, and understand that almost always, if it is profane, if it's too gross to look at, there's something profound underneath. There's something that you're supposed to laugh. You're supposed to change the subject and look away. Supposed to, you know oh, how's the weather? And, you know, change the subject so everybody can be comfortable. But there's something else going on, something sacred beneath it. And ultimately, it wouldn't be a show, a slick dissident appearance if I didn't mention the placenta. And uh, the placenta is the keystone to my research. Uh, Everybody should look up the Maxwell Jacobson story. That fool was putting placenta in methamphetamines and serving it up fresh to the elites. 
so if you're not going to take care of your remnants, somebody else will. And that gives joinder. You know, that's why the Pythagoreans had to spit their nails. They had to spit their nails to separate the joinder, to say that this is no longer attached to me. And that's the inner circle. That's a secret from the inner circle. So uh, clean up after yourself. Don't leave anything hanging around. Somebody else might pick it up and turn it into a homunculus graven image (laughs) government ID and try to control your mind with it. So there's that. Thomas. And I'll just uh, I'll plug again the Chosen One, Issue One. You can get it from Juan. You can get it from me. We'll have it linked on both of our uh, um, profiles. I've also got a whole bunch of stuff you can find on Amazon. Yeah, right there. If you search for Paranoid American on Amazon, you'll find a bunch of different comics, coloring books. Uh, and also on the website, I'll link you to the Etsy stores where you can get the little pamphlets. And as a parting note, Slick, since you kept bringing up 1947, uh, just because I've been knee deep and I'll, I'll, I'll future plug my book on adrenochrome, probably come out either mm. next year or early 2024. Who knows? We'll, we'll see. Cause the rabbit hole just keeps getting deeper. You know what I mean? <laughs> but 1947 was actually the first year that uh, a scientist separated a inert crystalline version of adrenochrome from the liquid version that's you know fresh out of the blood Uh, i just i had that note like at the top of my head you dropped 1947 saying it's a an an important year if we're talking about isolating like that crack rock base version of you know whatever's in blood that makes you feel youthful and gives you that supernatural energy that was the year that it was essentially uh separated in a laboratory so wow that is a trip 1947 just gets more interesting every time it comes up if, if anyone cares, 1947, the study was called a new biological hemostat, monosebicarbazone of adrenochrome, and it was by J. Roscom Dorono. Okay, hold on, hold on. Let's extend this weave for five more minutes. <laughs> let me, five let me more plug, minutes, man. Let me plug my journal before everybody leaves. Make sure to get the occultist Monday, uh, the one on podcast.com. It is an esoteric journal full of. And if you look at page 13, that's uh, the very beginning of Adrenochrome Unveiled, which is eventually probably going to be like a 10 plus part series, but that's essentially what's going to evolve into my book on Adrenochrome. It is esoteric and occulted articles on various sub subjects and it's only going to get juicier from here and we have here the page yeah 13 and we have gabe back here too right i closed it off page 22 possessed states look at that possessed states and then we have a little (laughs) little labyrinth here for the little homunculus to help him find his alchemist so yeah check that out that's the first uh one that was released this is issue one for october we are Working on issue number two for November will be out next month. Very Is there excited. a subscription type thing where, like, if I join one of your subscription channels, I can get this with it? Or is yeah, it Patreon only. Patreon, or you can order it only through my Ko-Fi, whichever you prefer. But I do have a Patreon tier I opened up, and on my also on my Ko-Fi there is a physical copies and PDF copies of the comic book. So. Absolutely. I, I thought about doing a subscription, so I did on the Patreon. If you guys want to check that out, also have exclusive content on there. Esoteric study sessions where I go in blind into a new subject and I decipher it online two hours, two and a half hours long at a time. So that's exclusive to Patreon and also I have post shows, pre shows on there of my 
other work too. So you can check that out. All right. So last graphic. Uh, I wasn't going to bring it up, but it does fit quite nicely. 1947 was uh, right after Operation High Jump, where they went down allegedly to Antarctica, got in a fight with some strange flying uh, wheels of fortune in the sky, and a ship was cut in half allegedly. That's the mythology. Well, the ship cut in half is an astrological constellation. It's the Argo. The Argo is half of a ship. It's cut in half. So again, we have, oh shoot, I always do that. Again, we have mythology immortalized in the collective and also uh, preserved in the heavens, in the stars. So Argo is a fast ship. And if anybody researches Operation High Jump, you'll remember that he was talking about ships that could go from North Pole to South Pole in an hour. Well, if you look on the, on the minor decans of the Zodiac, Argo is in Cancer. Uh, cancer is a keystone. It uh, has to do with Caesar and the government, uh, the six and the nine of the, uh, of the yin-yang and uh, uh, North Pole. But Argo is a ship actually that is down south in the southern hemisphere. Uh, and when you take the letters UFO, and you add one letter to each of these letters, you come out with the letter, the word T-E-N. This is what they did in, um, uh, with Hal from Space Odyssey, IBM. Yeah. They did this with Hal, H-A-L, you add one letter and you get IBM. Same thing with Simulation and Coptic too, Hal. You got it. So same thing with UFO. You do UFO plus one, you get T-E-N. That gives you the Wheel of Fortune card. Um, And uh, one more really profound thing about this Argo ship, which is half of a vessel, uh, it does line up with the belly button, the umbilical cord of the character of Hysteria down here. So it is very strongly correspondent with the placenta. It is the ship you came in on. It's your other half. It's your inked remnant. This is what you traded for your government ID. And look what's 180 degrees on the opposite side of the half ship Argo in Antarctica is Delphinus. Delphinus. They were looking for Adolf Hitler in the southern hemisphere. They were looking for Adolf. And uh, that goes into some family heraldry and uh, the Dolphinus family. Uh, but that's a whole nother rabbit hole. I thought I would throw that out there too. <laughs> Thank these, you for doing that. Yeah, that's wild. They're definitely using these uh, cosmic ingredients. Oh, that's where the homunculus nebulous is. Oh. <laughs> the homunculus nebulous is Seriously? out of the half ship. And so Whoa. in 47... The ship got cut in half, and they birthed a homunculus baby into our mind. And that's the same year, as Thomas was pointing out, that they uh, crystallized and perfected adrenaline. Wow. And it probably has to do with the placenta. Yikes. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Donut, donut doc, right? Was it donutfactory.com? Donut.com? What is it? Yeah, D-O-E-N-U-T. That's all you got to look up. It'll pop up. Check them out. Thank you so much, Donna, for coming on. Thank you, Thomas. Thomas went hard in the paint. Gabe went hard in the paint. Homie, Romy, 
we did it up. There's so much left on the table, but we can always do this again. You know, we, we can make this a thing and de-occult the next, the next Dahmer or next Netflix special, whatever. And we're, I'm always, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. This was great. We did it up. Make sure to check out the podcast, the101podcast.com, at the101podcast on Instagram. Love you guys. This was great. And we'll do it again very soon. Oh, yeah. Love you guys. This was awesome.